Yeah, now, so now we're going to recording. Hey, you sports fans, you filthy animals. It's uh, the Greg Medford Show. I am your host, Greg. We're from Phoenix, Arizona, from the little corner of our world out here in the Southwest, the dusty, cactus-ridden, uh, uh, freedom-loving, gun-toting bowl that is Arizona. I've been here 52 years now, and I just was driving across the desert this morning. I live up north of town. I was driving across the desert, and these cactuses whipping by. I was going way too fast, officer. And uh, I was just thinking how much I love it here. I came over this little rise in the desert, and there was these cactuses there. And down in the distance was uh, Camelback Mountain. The hump of the Camelback was sticking up. And I was like, man, I just love this place. I just was squeezed out of this dirt here as a kid, and I'm this prickly cactus of a grown-up. And uh, I just love it out here, and I feel like the dirt forms who we are. Today, we have a guest that uh, many of you have seen and followed. He's been around and made a big splash. Um, we've got uh, Officer Brandon Tatum uh, from Tucson, Arizona, who actually lives up here now, right? Yes, sir. Where do you live up here now? Uh, we live in Paradise Valley. We live over in PV. Look at you living over in PV. Where in PV you live-ish? Around Shea and Scottsdale. Oh, that's right where I grew up. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so uh, we've got uh, our guest in the show uh, in, in the uh, in the building today. We're going to talk about a myriad of topics. I know you cover all kinds of things in your podcast. Oh, yeah. And uh, you, I see, um, I've seen clips of you, you know, I see like little promotional short clips that I maybe see on Instagram. Is that? Yep. That's what we do. So you guys do your long format and then you uh, do little, basically little commercials of hotspots within the show to dial people over to you, right? We're Yeah. Yeah. On the YouTube channel. So we do all of our stuff on the YouTube channel and we try to uh, multiply content by cutting shorter clips and putting them on Instagram, which mm -hmm. the Instagram uh, reels do a really, really good job. Um, they get a lot of uh, success in the algorithm, so that's the way we try to do it. Did Bobby tell you what we had happen with Instagram recently? No, no, he it didn't. unfucking believable So uh, uh, somebody got our password and stole our account. Really? They didn't hack our account. They stole our account, and then they ransomed it for Bitcoin. That is crazy. See, it's it's a real crazy thing that goes on on Instagram. Uh -huh. Someone someone hacked my wife's account and deleted it, and we had to you know get it back. How'd you we, get it back? Uh, we we knew some people um, that work for Facebook, and we were able to kind of get through it and reset the password, and we were able to get into it. But you can pay people. We found out that you can pay people to hack other people's websites. Now, of course, the more followers you have, the more you probably have to pay for the hacker, but you pay them X amount of dollars and they hack into the website and delete it. Um, but Instagram can see the activity on the back end. You know, what's, what's bad is I think Instagram's in on it. And I don't think they're telling all of us, but I think there's, I honestly think there's a Rico case really? because they clearly have got tech centers around the world and it is heavily happening out of Turkey. And I believe they have a tech center in Turkey. And I think they're in on it. I think there's the digital equivalent. Remember how you see in Goodfellas, there's the Italians, yeah. wise guys, and they're kicking boxes of cigarettes off the back of every cigarette truck. I think they're kicking our information out the back door of some oh, Instagram 100%, building. 100%. And, then, and then they're not stopping it. Like, if you and I were running Instagram, we could stop people from stealing Instagram sites easily. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, just like the live streams, you see people live streaming, uh, killing people and all kind of crazy stuff. But they'll they'll ban you if you say a certain word. They'll instantaneously ban you live. But these people can go on for minutes at a time 
and people are in the comment section, you know, reporting, 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 and never yeah. take it down. I feel like that they can do what they want to do. They're selective in kind of what they, you know, eliminate and what they allow on their website. I think that, um, you know, you're kind of a product of this modern uh, social media era. Uh, and some of my business success is a product of me jumping onto it, you know, like 13 years ago before anybody was really hot and heavy into it. I feel like um, these guys, they're the, I feel like they're the most evil, unrestrained, protected gangster organizations that have ever existed. There's never been any organization that controlled the information, controlled the people who could participate and could shut down the narrative to steer the money the way these guys do. Oh yeah, ever they're, they're bigger than news organizations now. I mean, oh, yeah. everybody's on there. And and the strategic part, which I think they were actually brilliant in doing this, is they make you think that the platform is for you to be social. It's for you to meet, you, have you you know pictures with your family and go live. And no, it's not. It's to gather your information and sell it to other it's people. It's to sell make, you. Yeah, and make tremendous amount of money. And then the advertisement. I mean, for them to be, and it, it works for me. I got a business, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I want my advertisement to be put in front of all these people. But the way they've geared this. It's not about social. It's not about you actually connecting with people. It's about them getting your information and them making money. Now, I, I don't have a problem with with that, you know, specifically because I'm a capitalist. But when you start to monopolize and control narratives, that's when it becomes a tremendous problem. Uh, you know, I don't have a problem with building a platform, letting people there, and then advertising to them. That's yeah. you know, that's the the public square putting up a billboard. I'm fine with that. What I'm not cool with is them listening to our conversations. I'm not cool, because the phones are on right now. They're listening to us. They okay. know what we're talking about. 100%. And they've used AI to, now they're picking up keywords and hawking in on conversations, and they're using AI to listen to important conversations. Anything that annoys them, they start getting involved. Yeah. I, I think they're the most evil Machiavellian sons of bitches that ever walked the planet, and I am a, I'm happy for someone to make a billion dollars. Yeah. Like, make a billion dollars, fantastic, good for you. Good for everybody. Right. You know, billionaires, it's the funny thing. Only like commoners like us think you get a billion dollars and throw it in the bank. Yeah. You know, billionaires don't put a billion dollars in the bank. Billionaires put a billion dollars in the economy. Right, right. And they have billion dollars worth of assets. Like, uh, you know, Elon Musk never, never took a salary. What, what he said on a podcast, mm -hmm. he said he didn't take a salary from Tesla. But he his his ownership in Tesla is worth like $200 billion. So right. uh, he can draw. Um, or sell his stock whenever he wants to, or whatever, however, to, right, however right. way they do it. But that's how he does it. He, he doesn't have it sitting in a bank account somewhere at a Bank of America or something. You know, these people move very differently. Well, when you get to a certain level of money, um, getting money starts to the, the reporting of it is more problem than you need. Mm -hmm. You know, if you already have a hundred million dollars, you know, I guess he doesn't own any houses. He just rents a house. He's been stripping himself. He's been simplifying his life. He's got these two amazing companies, and he's got a life that he's kind of drawn down to zero. Yeah, you know how much money do you need? He he may not need he may not need that much money. Oh yeah, it's no way he can spend. I mean, I he he drew a couple billion dollars out, and now he's the he paid the most taxes out of any human being in probably world history. Um, so, but the thing is, is that when you somebody like him, Elon Musk. You you you're traveling all the time. I, I guarantee you he don't sit in one city. He could probably had a private jet. He flies to Miami for the weekend just to hang out, and then he gets back to work. He flies back to California. Or I think they moved to Texas now, mm -hmm. and so he fly wherever he wants. So his his him having ownership of a house and trying to maintain it is is 
peasantry to him. And, and the thing is, the Jets, you know, they're all running with the company. Because when you've got companies that are in multiple cities, you have to have a jet to move you around. So he probably, you know, he probably doesn't have much expense. Right. You know, his food is probably expensed through the company. And it's not being a leech. That guy, you know, he works like 90 hours a week. Yeah, 100%. I already worked 40 hours, 40 to 50 hours on each company full time every single week. Yeah. I think people people look at him and they think he's like a celebrity rock star type, you know, where they make a lot of money and then they live this lavish life. It's like he's manic about his production and building his company and he's there all day long. It's not like he's punning this stuff off and he's just the face of the organization. I mean, he's a driving factor. No, he's success. a real participator. And I don't think he I don't think money is what gets it for him. I'm sure mm -hmm. of, I'm a matter of fact, I'm sure of it. He's like, oh yeah, the money piles up. That's uh, it's on the balance sheet. You know, like I, I, right. I know he's not blind to it, but I, I don't think it motivates him. I think what really motivates him is Mars, success, yeah. the car company, new cool products. I think the guys, he's like a big kid. I think he enjoys making stuff. And Jeff Bezos, that's yeah. a different deal. Yeah, he may be a little Jeff. Be Jeff may be a little different, but I think Elon Musk has has it figured out. In life, success isn't about monetary value. Mm -hmm. It will come. Life is about doing things that you're passionate about, doing things that you're called to do, um, doing it at full speed. And when you do that in life, your success and all the other stuff, that'll will, happen. It'll come along yeah. with that. Yeah, I was just, you know, Jeff, uh, Jeff, the giant, the giant guy that you saw when yeah. he came in. Uh, Jeff's kind of my right hand guy, and we were talking about the story that uh, you, uh, Bezos, is having a bridge in Rotterdam raised so he can get his yacht in port. <laughs> We were just thinking, what a fucking asshole. I'm like, that just makes billionaires look bad. Yeah. So you could see him. He goes in there with the shade. He's like, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to pay for a new bridge. Yeah. And we'll take care of this for you. It'll be part of our new fulfillment and delivery plan to modernize the port area. And uh, and it'll also allow slightly taller boats to make it into harbor. And, you know, you could just see him just smarmy selling yeah. that to those guys. And he's one of the hated billionaires. Yeah, I mean, billionaires, It's a, I watched a documentary. It was uh, comparing millionaires to billionaires. Mm -hmm. I would encourage anybody to watch that because it is very what was it opening. On? Uh, I, I saw it on YouTube, oh, it but it's it, it's on an actual channel, but they put it on YouTube. Okay, you know, so I don't know if somebody scraped. So you don't know if it's Netflix or you? you no, no, no. It's, de or... it's definitely not Netflix. I just looked on YouTube and I put in millionaires versus billionaires, and it's a documentary okay. that's on something, but they scraped it and put it on YouTube. But yeah, I watched it and it blew my socks off. The amount of money billionaires spend. I mean, it actually made me sick to my stomach a little bit, you know, because I'm, I'm a capitalist. I believe you can make as much money as godly possible. Mm -hmm. I, I believe in the in the factor of saying, look, if you want to be a billionaire, you change a billion lives. If you're changing a billion lives, you're making an incredible difference. But I watched a guy two hundred million dollars on a yacht that they these guys don't even really use the yacht. It sits there, and now there's probably a, some financial gain to it or whatever the case may be, but they have a yacht that they use every now and again, and it's a $200 million yacht. One of the dude had a connected uh, ship to the yacht or something. It was not a ship, but it's like a, a little tow to the yacht that had a helicopter and mm -hmm. these exotic cars on it. And I'm like, <laughs> how much money? I mean, just think of $200 million right, $200 million right now if I went to any – struggling, impoverished area in America, and I wanted to make a difference, and I had an avenue to make a difference in the community, because throwing money at it is not the total solution. But if you wanted to use money to make a difference, you could do a lot with $200 million. I think that uh, 
there's two kinds of billionaires. They're the ones that are self-made, that are still hustling, mm -hmm. and those guys spend their money a little differently. And then there's the, uh, you've got your sheiks who basically inherited oil wealth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a different kind of, uh, you know, our billionaires here are made to look silly by the spending of the Arab billionaires. The Arab billionaires are, are, are a whole league unto themselves. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's out of control. I mean, you know, it's funny so the, how religious some of those people are and the <laughs> contradictory spending and lifestyle. Now, I know a guy. And I can't say no names, but I know a guy that works closely with some of these uh, Saudis that come over here mm -hmm. and they spend time over here and they are not what you think they are. Um, I heard stories of them doing a lot of male on male stuff. Oh, they're in they're, these in these. Have you been to the Middle East mansions. at all? No, I've never been to the Middle East. Oh, it's the gayest place I've ever <laughs> been in my entire life. The, the Middle East is very gay. Uh, you know what happens is the men are sequestered away from women all the way through yeah. puberty and post-adolescence, right. and they develop some strange proclivities. And then uh, Afghanistan is a whole nother level of gay that you want, don't want to know about. You know That is crazy. As religious as those people, they appear to be. I don't know. I've never even been over there. So it appears that there is a strictly religious. And I think in some of these places, they still stone people. They throw gay people off buildings. Yeah. And you would think that. While they're being gay. Yeah. Like oh, the, yeah. the hypocrites. Oh, you yeah. Know, it's like back in Jesus's day, you know, he, he, the person is without sin, cast the first stone. All of these people are wanting to stone a, a adulterous woman and they're committing adultery with her. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, they're basically going to beat a gay person to death with their gay penis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how gay they are. Yeah, after the, after they didn't hooked up and yeah. had some, yeah. some gay relations. Yeah, they've been there. on Grindr yeah. all, all uh, on Man Boy Love Night on Thursdays. Yeah. They've been on Grindr all night. No, it's crazy. That's how they find a stone them. They, they swipe them on Grindr. Oh, yeah. And then they stone him from there. Oh, oh, I know personally he is definitely gay. <laughs> no, no, I know he's gay. Yeah. No, I picture, you know, I don't know who that other guy is. <laughs> I think that's the, I think that it speaks to the problem with religion, man. I, I think that people get so religious and they can't keep up with their religious dogma and they go crazy. I think that, it, you know, religion is more about relationship than it is about these, these, and of course you have to follow the, the Bible and what God said, in my opinion. But I think some of these religious sects, they really go off the deep end. And especially, you know, you look at uh, Warren Jeffs out here in Arizona, you look at these polygamous cults and stuff. It's like, it always leads to sex. It's oh, always about oh, yeah. promiscuity and how many wives you can have. The guy in Waco, one of his things, he got married men to come to his cult and he said, and they get to sign over their wives. Yeah, I, I will. I will have sex with your wife for you, so you can stay pure. And trust me, I'm not having any pleasure. So he has sex. The guy, the head guy, it's just a job. With wife. You know, it's just a job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, everybody's got a thing that they got to do. You know, <laughs> out of control. <laughs> People out of no, no, no. It's a comedy routine. The shit that people get swindled into believing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's really important. Everything religious that you, uh, it has to have some context in the, in life. It can't be interpreted in such an extreme way right. that it makes you aberrant. Right. And in, 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 in the sex that I grew up in, I sex, but sects that I grew up in of religion is that we had this saying, that uh, you can't be so heavenly bound that you know earthly good. I mean, yes. you can't be so hyper, so hyper spiritual that you can't connect with real human emotion and, and people on this earth who may not be so um, spiritual as you and, you know, all this other stuff that go on. It, it, there's a balance there. There's yeah. a balance and there's reasonableness. And that's why I feel like relationship yeah. will, will take you further 
than uh, religion. Basically, that's the equivalent of the movie Stripes. Do you remember the movie Stripes? Mm. I'm it, not a movie guy. I, everybody say movies. I don't remember none of them. Really? I, I have no idea. Stripes. Okay, well, then I'm not going to tell you about it. <laughs> no, but for everybody else out there, <laughs> lighten up, Francis. Uh, hey, let's move on and chat about a couple things here, okay? So you left two... Uh, how long were you with the Tucson PD for? Well, six and a half years. Okay, how come you left? Um, social media and all that crazy stuff. It started to get out of hand um, in a good way. Uh, I made a video and... Well, first of all, I, I was a cop. I never planned on leaving. You know, I went back to get my master's degree because I wanted to be a chief. You know, I was a spokesperson. I was on SWAT team. I did all these different things, and I just so happened to become more aware of politics, and I became more conservative or realized that I was more conservative. And I went to a Trump rally, and I made a video after I went to the Trump rally just explaining. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, and just explaining what I observed. I wasn't even a Which Trump Which Trump reporter. rally did you go down in Tucson? It was the one in Tucson. Yeah, the yeah I think the only one he did 2016. in Tucson. 2016. Yeah. I went to that rally. I, I worked the night shift, stayed up, went to the rally because I wanted to see because the Democrats had just threw, I, threw me off completely. I was yeah. like, I'd never vote for a Democrat ever again because of Barack Obama. But then I said, let me look at these Republicans. How in the world did Ben Carson endorse Donald Trump? I thought Donald Trump was just playing. You know, a big billionaire guy just making fun of these politicians and then leaving um, and with his name being more prominent than it yeah. was before he jumped in the race. And so I went there and I said, let me just see for myself. This guy's they say he's a racist and all this. And I never heard anything like this about Trump before he ran for election. Right. Um, and and I was blown away, man. He 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 really struck me as a genuine uh, person who loved his country. And he's a genuine kind of a mess. Yeah, exactly. He Which, is what he, he is what he presents himself to be. Yeah, and and you look, I'm a genuine kind of a mess also. Right. So I, I, but he's a he's got some contradictions. I think, um, I think we hold people to silly standards over the wrong things. You know, I want to hold my significant other to a different standard than I'm going to hold a public office holder. I'm going to hold a cop to a different standard than I'm going to hold a mailman. I'm going to hold a. A, a national office holder to a different standard than a maybe a business guy or maybe I shouldn't maybe I have that wrong in my head but what I found was through his you know through the presidency in particular and through his candidacy was I was less concerned about and and it was this was the same how old are you 34 okay so you're kind of young for this but we've watched great um potential presidents get uprooted for the last 40 years mm -hmm. gary hart um uh, bill clinton uh, almost tore him down so many times and still trying to tear him down i don't know how that guy's still standing but the, the so many politicians have fallen to these kind of moral foibles that get brought up and then they just kind of collapse and fold and go away you don't hear about him anymore and uh and i've always said god you know that was a great guy for the for the job why are we losing him because of that? It would be like losing Bill Gates because he was having a affair or he had two girlfriends or whatever. I, I'm, I have a little bit of conflict about these gigantic jobs that require a gigantic person to stand in them with a big personality and deal with big problems. And then we hold them up to our, you know, uh, picket fence, two kids in a house kind of morality. It's, I, I feel like we lose a lot of people who are qualified to do those really big jobs. That's a big goddamn job being president of the United States. It is States. the biggest job in yeah. the world. 
because we are the superpower of the world. And I understand why people want to hold that standard. It's reasonable. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you got to realize that people are human and we have to have a level of forgiveness for people who, who seek forgiveness. Because yeah. um, nobody's going to be perfect. And the people that you think are perfect are probably doing something dirty. You just haven't caught them yet. So... You know, I, I I do see that we should hold people to a standard. You know, it was was it was so hard about a man not uh, taking an intern or whatever she was, the entry level person, and putting a cigar in her and oh. and uh, having relations with a woman. And you and you in the you in the White House, you yeah. in the Oval Office, bro. You can't do that. Outside of the Oval you know, Office? I wanted to smack his head and say, have some goddamn decorum for God's sake. I mean, you you got to be an arrogant. You got to be a dirty, you know what, if you're willing to do that in the White House. You I know, mean, I, God, I, I, know, I know you've had a chance to rub elbows with some folks now with your prominence, uh, and I have as well. Once you're in either the billionaire category or the national political category, there is a seductive air of power and insulation from everybody else that I don't think many people can stand up to it very well. Yeah, it's very difficult. Um, and, and some of it is because money begins to be your God versus uh, relying on character or relying on God itself. And I mean, power. Yeah, power. I mean, that that begins to be who, cause, because for me, I feel like I'm going to be the same person no matter what. Yeah. Right. I would love to. Yeah. I, I pray every day that God keep me humble and I, I, I stay the same person. If I was a billionaire, I don't believe I would I would change. I don't believe so. However, I can see how people change. Um, if I didn't have God in my life and I wasn't a, a Christian person for me, um, this could go to your head. Everywhere I go, people are like, oh, I love you, B. Tatum. Uh, oh, can I take a picture? And it feels good because I feel like I'm I'm, I'm reliving my purpose and I'm actually mm -hmm. changing people's lives. Sure. If I wasn't grounded, it would become arrogance oh, because yeah. I'm better than everybody else at the airport because people want to take pictures with me. Oh, you know, I'm flying first class now, so I'm better than everybody else. Or, you know, I live in PV, so I'm better than everybody else. And I really believe that if you lose track of where you started and who you were and have some sense of grounding, if you lose track of that, you will fall. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. Right. The love of money. Right. The, they start loving money more than they love their character than their yeah. wives than yeah. their than their reputation mm -hmm. and it, it 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 will drive you so far in success and then it will come crumbling down well you know there's that old saying absolute power corrupts absolutely and right. and uh the the power i think you know i've had a chance to see a couple people make the transition and they're drunk with power and it's a hard thing to, and we get to watch them handle it that's mm -hmm. what's going on mm -hmm. the first year of a presidency usually now with trump we didn't see that because he had already he'd already had his fill of power. He'd been powerful. Yeah. Um, he was just there wanting to do work. Talk to me a little bit. You've gone through an evolution. So uh, you got hit with a lightning bolt of Trump, as did I oh, yeah. and many people. Um, I the, the day he declared, I you know I turned to Amy at the time and I said, "Hey, he'll be our next president. The rest of these guys are fools compared to him because yeah. they're worried about what people think and they're going to sure. talk out both sides of their mouth." in the country right now, I think they're, they're sick of bullshit and they're going to just dig yeah. the dude. And I didn't expect it to do it. And I didn't think he was going to win, but I'm like, he's going to be the guy. Because on election night, I was sitting in the dark and my phone is just going bing, 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 bing. Because I've been doing this for 12 years. I've been, you know, ranting online. And then it happened. And I, I just walked around for, I don't know, maybe a year with just a shitty and grin on my face. <laughs> and I'm kind of a brooder, you know, I'm yeah. kind of like, kind of slightly, I have a burn, a slow burn of anger going on all yeah. the time. You know, I was like, 
Man, I got nothing to be mad about. This is fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I was listening. I like the, I like Alex Jones, so I will listen to him. You know, I can mm-hmm. filter when I say, uh, he going too far," or mm-hmm. when I'm like, "They just haven't caught up with him yet." And he was talking about how the polling was off, and they were double polling Democrats. Yeah. So election night, I knew he was going to win, but before that. I, I didn't even think Trump was serious, like I said, until I went to the rally and I was like, wait a minute, this 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 dude is actually saying things that people, that resonate with people. And then you see the other ones get on there and then they're trying to be all robotic. Yep. Let me say the right thing at the right time. And then Trump is like, sleepy, he called people sleepy. Sleepy Joe, sleepy Crooked Joe, Hillary, Crooked Hillary. Lion, Lion Cruz. Ted yeah, Lion Ted, yeah. And, 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 and everybody's laughing. It's entertainment. And then in the debates against Hillary Clinton, when he said, when she said, that's why you shouldn't have the nuclear codes or something. And he said, yeah, because you, you shouldn't have the power or whatever. He <laughs> said, yeah, because you'd be in jail. And, and that was just it. Like, he was the president. Because you'd be in jail. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard him on an interview today. You know, I don't agree with everything he's saying. I think yeah. he talk in circles half of the time. But, you know, I, I just like the fact that he is who he is. I don't have to guess who Trump is or what he believes. He says it, and, and sometimes it comes across, um, and it turns people off sometimes. Yeah. But at least yeah. I know what I'm getting. If I don't like him, then I know I don't like him. Uh, and so you know, look, he's running again. He's going to be our next uh, president. 100%. I don't know how that doesn't happen. Talk to me a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say who you're voting for, but who you voting for? I mean, I know you've been. Um, I know a bunch of people got mad about stuff he said about the vaccine. Oh, 100 percent, and. Um, it was, that was a kind of easy thing for me to resolve and I don't need to make excuses for him, but it, it was part of his legacy. Um, I think that he would have never, if he were in second term, he would have never used it as a club the way it got used. I think he would say, Hey, I think you should do it. I do it, but you know, you should go to, he wouldn't have been, um, putting out mandates. He wouldn't have been, you know, he was clear about that even during the first year of the, the pandemic. Um, I think uh, I think he did kind of something Herculean, bringing it to market, and uh, the jury has yet to find out. You know, when they're starting to tell you that one in ten, you know, one in one in twenty people is going to die, and you do the math, it's millions and millions of people. Mm-hmm. You make some phone calls and you take out a baseball bat and you break somebody's leg if you need to to get a vaccine done, and if it's seventy eight percent, you say, okay, I'm going to save seventy eight percent of the 11.6 million people died. That's a, that's millions of people. We have to do that. I think if you were president, you'd make the same decision. I know I would. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very hard because I don't know what he knew. Um, at the very beginning, I said we shouldn't shut our country down. We shouldn't. Right. Uh, we should we should protect the people who are vulnerable. It was clear from day one. I, I mean, it's easy for me to say because I'm not listening to him listen to these scientists. Right. And these people that are supposed to be professionals, Fauci and all You know, these. they were giving us the same information he got, and I was calling bullshit day one. Day one, I said it was it was very clear to me, and I'm not the smartest guy in the room, man. And 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 I said, wait a minute, we don't we were seeing that most of the people who are dying are elderly people, people with comorbidities. Now, Be- and that was happening really early in January. We were saying that in 2020, and I said, okay, slow down, man. You can, you're gonna stop product. China ain't gonna do that. When they talked about shutting the country down, I remember I turned to Jeff and I said. The first couple of days, I said, they'll never do it. And then they did it, and I said, they'll never undo this. No, uh, we will have uh, to take it back. 100%. I said, if they put masks on us, we will never take the masks off until we revolt. And this is the part that I feel like I have to I give grace to Trump because I, I honestly don't think he's acting in, in, in not in good faith, right? I think he's acting in good faith. Yeah. Um, 
Fauci should have been gone a long time ago. Uh, as soon as you contradict, I'm the pre as a leader. Yeah, I'm the president of the United States. As soon as you contradict me on the television show or anything, you're either gonna have to be quiet or I have to get somebody else in there. You cannot lead the country when you and your head guy are not saying the same thing or slightly disagreeing with each other. Well, you know, it's not I, good. I, I think it shows two things. I think it shows a little bit of friggin' hum humility, actually. Like, you know, I build buildings, I'm not an immunologist. And then everybody plugged in and drank the Kool-Aid on Fauci. So, or he should, what he should have done was allow Fauci to brief him on what's going on. And then he comes out and says, these are my team. This is what they are presenting. I don't entirely disagree. I don't entirely disagree. And I think, I, honestly, I think everybody was in a very scared, yeah. like unknown, it was an unknown quarter of the year. Like what's going to happen? Because we didn't have enough data on how many people were dying, and they were saying spooky numbers. Yeah, see, I felt like it was all bullcrap. I, mean, I feel I like I feel like that if we would have listened to everybody, not just the people who wanted to, this mm -hmm, to be bad, mm -hmm. the people who were already a part of the government system. If we would have listened to people, I mean, you don't have to believe everything Alex Jones says, but when he throws stuff out there, when um the other guy who was a conspiracy theorist, they I think that's his designation, um I forget his name, David Ike, when they throw stuff out there. Can we at least evaluate it and make sure it's not right? Because they were 100%. I mean, not 100%. They were probably 90 They were mostly right. Way back in January. Yes. They said from the very beginning that this came from China, came from a lab, um, that they had information that that's what, it, what was going on, and it was attacking certain types of people or whatever the case may be, that we shouldn't shut the country down. And now there are studies that have come out, and I know this is Johns Hopkins is a little bit, People take it the wrong way, right? It, it's a it's a a research that was done of the effectiveness of shutting down the country. What shutdowns have done for us, and the authors of the research says that it had pretty much inconsequential results, meaning that it didn't help at all. Right. <laughs> you know, pretty right. much, it right. didn't save probably ten thousand people or so. And, and we all know that. Just because you're designated that you die from COVID don't mean you die from COVID. You could have just died with COVID. They're putting those numbers together. And the fact that I believe that Trump didn't see this coming, it bothers me a little bit because he should have known that Fauci was, was a clown. When they were going out and saying, you should wear a mask. No, you should never wear a mask. And they only told you not to wear a mask because they didn't want the medical you know, uh, community or whatever, the, the people who are practicing medicine across yeah. the country to be without an N95 protective mask. You don't do that to the country. You don't lie to people. Well, you know, that's the problem. Uh, you know, the press has abdicated their job. We saw them do it during the Trump era. So they basically, we've caught them so many times being disingenuous and, and, and then outright lying uh, and withholding the facts and telling an opposite story. And it gets disproved later and they don't even correct it. They don't even say mea culpa, my bad, you know, um, that they've lost credit. And what happens is everybody goes, oh, that guy doesn't tell the truth. You can't trust him. And they just go elsewhere for their information. And so what it's done is it's fragmented or how we gather information as a, you know, the, the large data of groupthink, the big group of people. We are now kind of misinformed all the time. Yeah, but, but that's a, it's a good thing to a certain degree, not to be misinformed, but to learn how to gather information from all parts and put it together 
and find out what the truth is. There's a little bit of truth in everything. Like yeah. CNN, there's a little a bit of truth. A little bit of truth. Right. Fox News, a little bit of truth. Brandon Tatum, a little bit of truth. Your podcast, and you put it all together and you say, okay, let me be a reasonable, rational person and say, right. these are the things that I've heard. Let me go and research to make sure these things are true. Um, us shutting the country down was just a big mistake. Now they're saying, oh, it's a big mistake. John Hopkins yeah. is pretty much saying, well, it's you know, a big mistake. And, and, and we were saying, and there were economists like leading economists when this all went down that said with something that's very virulent and grocery stopping is still going to be allowed and people are still going to certain enough people are still going to be be at work the only way it would work is if you completely isolate right. everyone in a bubble and we can't kill society no no we can't and, and now look what, what has happened people have been committing suicide some people's companies that were were not uh you know I guess viral online. Some of these brick and mortar companies are never, they're never coming back. Mm -hmm. Families have been destroyed. Kids are going to be halfway retarded because they've been wearing a mask all day, every day uh, for the last couple years at, at school. And they're, they're not learning. They're yeah. Not, they're saying that, uh, you know, uh, autism kind of the last right. decade has been kind of a, more of a, a mainstream recognizable thing. And uh, for every kid that is diagnosed with autism, there are, couple kids who are not diagnosed but they're kind of close to being on the spectrum right. if you've heard that phrase and uh there are lots of people close to being on the spectrum who are in the normal spectrum but they're close and th they uh have been without faces reading mouths and looking at expressions for two years yeah and of the millions of children Maybe 20% of them are on the closer end of spectrum. They're in the normal. They're normal. They test normal, but they're closer to being on the spectrum. They're a little withdrawn. Loud, loud noises bug them a little bit. Uh, and they haven't been able to see faces for two years. Well, think about people who are deaf. Oh. Um, you know, uh, one of the more valuable things to people who are hard of hearing or deaf is that they can read Relips. your lips yeah. and, and see your facial expressions, not just your eyebrows. And even when people can't manually communicate with them, they can at least see your face and see your mannerisms and see if you're upset. If you're not upset, they can probably reach your lips. Some of them, Shit. even if you don't have even older them. people like I'm in a yeah. I'm in a restaurant when I'm ordering. If I can't see their face, I don't know what they're saying half the time because all the ambient noise in the background. It's been, you know, I like at Costco for the last year. I was like, when you put your man on, yeah. when they come yelling at me to take put a mask on and I just won't wear a mask yeah. and I let them get all freaked out and i wave my hands around and then i act like i'm deaf and they're like oh and, yeah. and i'm like that's that's a real thing there are actually deaf people around who've had to deal with this bullshit yeah and it's all it's all bull crap and the people in our government should all be taking the task for this mm -hmm. we should have never shut the country down two weeks to slow the spread i told i said it on a live stream these leftist places are never going to release the mandates why because this is election this is the election time. Yep. They're going to use this against Trump. Mm -hmm. If you hurt the economy in any president, they people typically pick another leader. If the economy is bad and their their value of life feel like it's not what it should be or it's not there's no growth there, they transition leaders. And when you have something like this and you have the economy dropping and you have people uncertain and they paint Trump as a racist who let this virus get out of control and they and they're going to intentionally keep their state shut down so people feel that pressure. Then they go out and try to reelect somebody. And I think the election has some issues. I'm not going to say it all, but you, you know how I feel. Yeah. Um, that's how they win. And what are they doing now? Oh, oh, the signs have changed. 
Now we realize that you shouldn't wear masks and that children have residual effects of wearing masks. And now that the signs have changed, it should be up to the family to decide because it's election season. Right. Th this whole thing. This lion's son. This whole thing is, a, it, it, to me, people have died. But we know that the number that they're giving us is not true. You know, uh, I used, I for about six months, I opened the show with statistics. It was the uh, mortality rate per 100,000 humans in, in uh, the United States. And it's unchanged. <laughs> the mortality rate's been going up 0.1% for the last 15 years. Yeah. In 2021, it was unchanged. You know why? You know why it was unchanged? Because the flu deaths and all these other deaths that normally occur, they just lumped it into COVID. Well, what happened was you can put your thumb on the scale with cause, but you can't put your thumb on the scale with number. X amount of people died and there's death certificates and you can't fake death certificates. Right. I mean, you can in a very Machiavellian way, but you can't do it. That's, you know, it's too many independent coroners and cities and municipalities. You can't skew the data. You could skew one place. Maybe you could rig a murder investigation for your nephew if you were the you know Supreme Court justice or something. I don't know. But you can't do it across the country. You know what I'm saying? So they can't fake all the death certificates. They can have them reported wrong, and right. they can report them wrong with the National Institute of Health. They can put them in the wrong column. Right. But the, when you add up the column, it's still just the number. That's interesting. That's an interesting fact. I have to look that up, and, and, and I would love to present that to my audience is like, yeah, what what are we really doing? Um, the, like the shutdown said, was inconsequential. I've got the I've got the thing sitting on my desk. I'll hand it to you when you leave. Yeah. You can you know and you can look it up. The I can't say it on on YouTube because they'll ban me. But it'll be good information to share because I think this was a big. It, it, this is the worst. These people should calamity. Be, these people should be put in prison for life and put to death. In my opinion, um, because they have essentially destroyed the United States of America to a certain degree. Yep. And they've done it intentionally. You, you know, uh, what is your, let me ask you some stuff. We'll do a little lightning round. What what do you think is the, and, and, and then you're going to go and then I'm going to go because we both talk and think about this stuff all oh, the yeah. time. Um, what do you think is the most important thing that our country lacks? What is the thing? What, well, are, what are we missing? I think it's morality. I okay. think morality. We, we've let it slide down a scale uh, way too long, and then it's just matriculating down in a, all walks of life, and we're, we're losing it. Um, I feel like it's accountability. I feel like we have enough laws. We have enough rules. I actually feel like we live in a perfect country. I think our country's perfect. I think our laws are just perfect enough. I think our imperfect group of people, I think it's perfect. I think if we just had accountability and enforced the laws. If we just did what's there, you, you don't have to do anything. Just do the accountability part, and this would all work. Yeah, and and I, and I agree with you. The only reason I say morality a little higher than that is because the people that make these laws lost morality. Then they begin to change the laws to immoral laws, and you know, then they try to hold us accountable to immoral laws. Well, so, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I think you know the morality thing is a, is a component of our society, of course. Um, but I always, I, I think the most important thing is the rule of law. Without the rule of law, we're the Middle East. You know, without the rule of law, we're Nigeria. Without the rule of law, we're, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look what's <laughs> happened. I mean, what an amazing place to be completely goat fucked for the last decade. Didn't need to happen. Yeah. And here's what's funny: 
My okay, 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 okay. What's it, what's your biggest takeaway from the Trump presidency? My biggest takeaway, like the what I think he accomplished, or how I feel about after the Trump presidency. Sure. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was great for our country. It was a change of pace. I think he was the battering ram on a SWAT team. You know, he rammed the door and now it opened up opportunities for people to see things differently, for other quality people to, to get in the office. I think he just opened up the floodgates for our country to get back on the right track. You know, uh, the biggest thing, like, let's just say I was a neutral part of a political player, okay? The biggest thing I would take away is that all you have to do is decide to be pro-America and pro-business, and you can turn the country on like a light switch. Yeah. You know, they say, oh, it's, well, you know, Barack Obama's, well, no, I think we're going to have a, a multiple uh, 2% uh, growth rate over the next uh, 18 to 24 years. And what? And, and Trump walks in and says, no, nah, let's just turn the country back on. Just stop all that and just turn the yeah. country back on. That's the biggest lesson. Like, if I was a Democrat running for office right now, I'd be like, all right, don't tell anybody. But remember that all that stuff that Trump did? We should do a bunch of that shit because unemployment went down. Business was good. There's more money. There's more tax revenue. We could do social programs because there's money. He turned the country on like flipping a switch. If Democrats, if if Democrats, they could, they could uh, win elections forever if they would be more conservative. I'm just saying, if you if you were a Democrat and you said, I'm not going to do the wokey-de-woke stuff. I'm going to go down a path of saying, I love this country. Let's support our veterans. Let's support the police. Because the people who hate the police are a small group of people uh -huh. in our country. You know, it's a bunch of dummies that's yelling in a circle. I mean, that, that illegitimately hate the police. Like, of course, hating bad police, everybody do. But yeah. um, it's a small group of people. And I feel like that the Democrats are pandering to this very small group of people. And they're leaving out the people in the middle, the independents, the conservatives. They're leaving them out. And that's why Trump dominated in 2016. That's why he dominated in 2020. And they <laughs> did their little thing. And that's the only reason, the, the, you know, the half brain dead dude is in the office right now. Well, so let's talk about the elephant in the living room. So uh, I'll give you a little. I voted for Obama on the first round because I said you know what, I was like, I want every kid of color in this country to be able to look high and go, I can kind of do anything I want. I didn't agree with his policies. I didn't like his politics or anything. I reverse raced for him. I reverse race voted for him. I wanted anybody to go, yep, I can do that, and never have the excuse to say, oh, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, we have a president. You fucking can't say because you can do, you can get to any, I think, Anybody who, I think the great story of capitalism is it, capitalism doesn't care what color you are. A hundred percent. It just wants you to be smart and get ahead. A hundred percent. And I think that helps that story. If you see a guy that, you know, immigrant father and mother and a real interesting international background and pops up with almost no experience and becomes president of the United States. <laughs> it shouldn't have happened, but I think it breaks. Like, I'm cool with that. Like, I, I was cool with that. The second time I was like, nah, no, 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 that was enough. <laughs> See, what I didn't realize is that this was a, a strategic plan all along to get him in there. I don't think he was ever someone who rose up from the ashes and became this person. I think they put him up there because they knew if they put a black man up there who was very articulate, charismatic, he could beat the white man. Why? Because all they had to do was make it look like this white man is the racist and this black man, because essentially 
Barack Obama isn't black. He's biracial. Right, right. But he's black, and the white man, look at how primitive the white man is. Look at all the struggles the black man had to go through. And everybody was so sick of it that we wanted there to be no excuse ever again in our country that it so was So did you vote for him racist. the first time I also? Didn't vote, I didn't vote at all, but I supported him. Okay. Uh, I cried when he, got, when he got elected. I voted for him the second time is when I start to really get into politics. And I said, you know, I'm gonna vote. And I watched the debates between him and, and Dry Bones, Mitt Romney. And, you know, I said, oh, this guy sounds better. Maybe he, you give him another chance and I voted for him. You know, it's been interesting. So my, my family is bunch of crackers from mississippi and texas and south carolina and my grandfather was a cop and i was raised with racial language and all sorts of racial imprint from the south okay now i say all that my grandfather and grandmother had the first integrated restaurant here in arizona and right after world war ii so uh i i have all of these this racial baggage floating around but i've generally been raised in a completely all-white place with all white people almost all the time the only time i was around people of color was in the marine corps oh. i go into marine corps and you know half the guys are black it was like <laughs> some of the first black dudes i'd ever talked to yeah and i was living with them um you have dropped onto the scene as kind of a unicorn uh black conservative outspoken and uh 20 years ago no one would have given you a voice or cared right and now we can make a voice for ourselves. it's crazy right, right. Um, i saw something really interesting go on i saw during the trump presidency especially when trump was doing his rallies and i went to a bunch of them i saw guys remember when he started getting immigrants to come up and tell their story about their mm -hmm. business that had been affected by covid mm -hmm. and he had a guatemalan guy that owned a um, garage a, a mechanic place uh somewhere in the midwest and then he had a dude from nigeria talk about his restaurant that his family came here and they started and i connected with people of color during the trump presidency because mm -hmm. i heard them telling my grandfather's story who was an immigrant greek mm -hmm. and and they were speaking a language that related to me because mm -hmm. i'm an entrepreneur and i, I deal with all these mm -hmm. hassles with the city and employees and compliance yep. and epa and all that and i heard them all about it and i i, I he just kind of cracked my kind of cosmic egg a little bit about how i think people yeah and then i watched what happened in the election and i've been pissed ever since the election and i've been pissed you know who i've been pissed at i've been pissed at white women i'm mad at white women i'm mad as hell and i talked to so many white women who's like oh they roll their eyes and they unapologetically say why they didn't vote for trump and then i always you know i kind of counter and i go well you know you know you know any 16 17 year old boys in your life Oh yeah, my son. He's going to turn eighteen. He's graduating high school. Oh yeah. So well, you know, he's he he may join the Marine Corps on the way home from senior year when we're at war with China, and they look at me. I go, you know, this this guy's a moron, and he could get us in two wars right now. Like we're on the edge of two. We're the only way that we don't end up in war in the next twelve months is if we just take it in the keister right. and don't do anything. Just like Obama did. Mm hmm. And like in Syria, like what happened in the uh, the the, the uh, with the, the caliphate and all of that, the only way we don't end up in war in the next twelve months is because we just roll over and take it in the ass, which destroys NATO, destroys our international reputation, and it destroys our clout with our allies. Right? One hundred percent. That's what I and I I harass everybody about that. I go, that's what you voted for. You don't like the guy who said grab him by the pussy. Well, look what you got now. Yeah, these people. I think I I I I feel like you have to be the most disingenuous 
ignorant, even stupid person to actually think that what Trump said was out of the ordinary. You know how much stuff was said in the locker room? And we, you, you can imagine the Marine Corps. In the locker room on the football team, all of your favorite football players oh, right. are talking nasty and, and got videos. We used to pass videos around. These girls show you everything because you're a football player. It, it, come on. Like, get with it. And he, like you said about the girls, the kid, you know what your son going to do when he get to college? Your, your little, your little, the little boy you've been raising and, and, and thinking he's the sweetest boy in the world, he's going after all them girls, and he's going to be with girls every other night if he can. And it's going to be a crap show. He's going to be getting drunk talking dirty, sending new pictures, Snapchatting women on Tinder. Like, just slow down for a minute, people, yeah. and, and start thinking in reality. The man said this in a private conversation. He is a billionaire. There are sluts out here that want to get on your plane because you got money, and they'll let you do whatever you want to do. You know, there's another thing, too. Uh, when guys get kind of jacked up or their adrenaline's pumping or they're kind of pre-gaming, they, they have a tendency to just talk shit. Yes, it, like and they, women, they, women do too. Yeah, and 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 they not like they're gonna go do it. Yeah. They just talk. It's almost like you kind of fluffing your feathers if you're a bird. You right, know what I mean? Right. He was getting ready to go do some live TV. They had him mic'd up. He probably it was years ago. Probably had a little bit of jitters going on. Uh, you probably still get jitters if you go on live TV, even if you're a seasoned veteran at it. Right. Like, oh shit, this is I live do. every time. I, every time I go on TV. So you know now he's having a private conversation in the bus on the way over to do the shoot. Probably got a little nervous energy, and he's talking smack with the dude, and he's trying to relate with a regular dude. He's a billionaire who showed up in a helicopter, <laughs> and he's trying to relate with a dude who bought ready a ready-made suit to go on TV. Right. He might, he may have been just being, I'm not making excuses for the guy. I'm just saying in the real world, guys that are uh, on way on high, when they're getting ready to do something, they get nervous just like everybody else. They're just people. They put their shoes on one at a time. They want to relate to who they're with so that the conversation goes well. And you, you have some side banter before you hop on. Right. And just look at his reaction to the young lady. Because as soon as they got off the bus, they, they were uh, greeted by a young lady. Mm -hmm. He treated her with respect. He didn't say anything crazy to her. He didn't. You know, to be honest, we don't even know if Trump actually did that stuff. Because like you said, dude, been talking shit. dude's been lying. You know, we call it lying on your, you know what? But dude's been lying on their stuff all, all throughout college. Talking about they had sex with all these beautiful women. And you're like, you lying. You never had anything like that. Trump may be the same way. He's just talking trash. Oh, I can grab him and do this. Trump may have never done that to anybody. You know, what's funny, uh, I, you've met him a couple times, right? Yeah, I met him. Yeah. I, I don't even pick that vibe up from him. He doesn't seem that way. He's kind no. of a nerd. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't. I mean, maybe because he's older now, but he doesn't seem like he's really that dirtbaggy no he doesn't seem lecherous like i don't get lecher i mean i see dudes with lecherous vibe and i'm like mm -hmm. like not surprised he doesn't seem deviant at all to me he seems super square i mean the dude doesn't even drink right right at all he, he, he doesn't he doesn't because he has some I, I don't see him being that way i see him being a very direct person very professional mm -hmm. person no nonsense i don't see him dabbling with these losers i mean like these women who just want to scrape but i I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Not saying that it's right. I don't. I don't think. Right. I don't think men should behave that way, even right. if women want to. But I think people need to need to live in reality. Like, <laughs> you talk about Trump. There are women who Kamala Harris slept her way up to the top. Mm -hmm. Jerry Brown or whatever his name is, Willie yeah. Brown. Willie Brown. Yeah. Willie Brown. Yep. Said that he had mm -hmm. sex with her mm -hmm. and he gave her opportunities. Yep. 
Oh, but Trump said something. She did it, and y'all fine with it. I mean, that's the, the crazy part about it. I mean, you got guys right now are being persecuted for saying off-the-record conversations to <laughs> someone uh, off to the side. That's being treated like a holy grail offense compared to we've had guys in offices who have 15 women who have accused them of rape. Yeah. Like, he didn't say the word rape. He actually did the rape. <laughs> And not once, not three times, like fifteen times, it was, and it's no problem. Yeah, and, and Clinton, I, I, I don't know exactly who you're talking about, but Bill Clinton, I mean, he's admitted to having an affair. He putting doing dirty stuff with the girl, and he and somehow his wife is gonna be the president one day. How can you let that family back in the office when the dude is such a? I mean. Trump just said words, right? Clinton did it, right, right, right. In, in, in the in the Oval Office, yeah. so you don't have to even question. He's going to be back in the Oval. You know, if, if Hillary was the president, he's going to be back in the White House. I'll just be off in the side room, <laughs> yeah. though. I won't be in the main building. Yeah. So oh. you, you know, it's really crazy. Uh, it's crazy to think about um, what's uh, how perceptions of actions versus words have been twisted. Uh, and, um, you know, we saw something go on for four years that I don't think's ever happened before, which is the entire establishment torpedoing the president. Yeah. And he was really, they were going after us cause we elected him. They were really yeah. going after us yeah. cause he was really our guy. And in retrospect, if you look at the bills he passed, if you look at all of his initiatives, you look at all of the presidential decrees or directives he mm -hmm. signed, they were all very pro-American, pro-citizenry. It's just a weird, 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 we live in some weird times, man. Yeah, straight white man. That's who they were going after. The straight white man. Uh -huh. The black man don't exist if you're a conservative. You, you're, you don't exist. They don't even, you don't even, you're not even a factor in this world. Uh, Clarence Thomas been a Supreme Court justice for I don't know how long, and they they acting like Joe Biden's finna pick the first black person in the Supreme Court justice. They don't even count him, uh, Clarence Thomas, as a Supreme Court justice. People don't even talk about people like Thomas Sowell. They don't give any of these prominent black conservative type people any credence. Look at you dropping Thomas Sowell on me. I, I He's love, one of my favorites, I love man. Thomas Sowell. I wish I had a chance to meet him. I invited him to speak at one of our events. But it was past the point where he travels, you know, so he's getting a little older yeah. and so he don't travel anymore. So I hate that I missed that opportunity, but he's one of the most brilliant men. It has nothing to do with being conservative, has nothing to do with he is one of the most brilliant men to ever live. And if you listen to his arguments, they're rooted in facts. You wouldn't really know what political party he's associated with if you just watch what he say because he's speaking about facts and truth. He don't even pick a side. He, he normally talks about facts and truth. And you say it's a fact. Yeah, my dad and I both love him. Um, I love uh, guys that are very, you know, he's an empiricist, you know, he's very much into the facts. What are the facts and the numbers? Um, what does he say? He's got a great phrase that I just read, and he said, uh, uh, what does he say? Uh, intellectualism uncoupled from experience lacks wisdom. True. And what we see going on in our country is, a group of intellectuals have made it so that you have to get certified by them to have your opinion be valid. Right. You got to go to my institution, my university. You have to get my state government uh, 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 stamped certificate saying that you can think well yeah. in, or in order for me to care about your opinion. We're not going to tell you that it's really indoctrination. More, It's more indoctrination than education. 
yeah. and then we don't have to listen to you in the future because right. you don't have one of our papers. It's a big setup. And, you know, you're going to be making decisions about your kids going to school like I am. And it starts getting tricky about how to oh, yeah. how to do school with them. On, only, you know, unless my uh, sons are going into a, a specific profession um, that needs a degree, mm -hmm. so like, like a doctor or something like that, that's the only reason I would encourage them to go to college other than playing sports. If you're not trying to do either one of those, just be an entrepreneur. Just mm -hmm. start something. Yeah. And, and and build your own. Later on, you can go and get a fur further your education. I would have never. Go I don't even remember what I learned in college. You know, a few things. I played football. I, I was worried about football. I remember my football career. I don't remember college. You know, I got a degree though. It doesn't matter. I mean, I think that unless you're going to get an education for a specific skill that needs a certification. I don't think you can be a doctor or cardi cardiologist Without if you don't go and get the training. You can't right. just read a book and become a cardiologist. I mean, maybe you could, I don't know, but you know, generally speaking, you need a education to do those things. Yeah. Like you can't just be a plumber either. I mean, you can't just say, you gotta, you gotta have a trade. You have to learn it. I mean, somebody could teach you, but you can't just wake up one day and say, I'm just gonna be a plumber. Like there's, there's some learning that goes along with that. Whether you have to spend a hundred thousand dollars in debt or you can start something and work your way up. I tell young people all the time, like if you ain't, if you don't have a full scholarship or your parents ain't paying for it, you may want to consider that that's not a good investment in your life. You may want to work first, start with an entry-level job, work somewhere that offers you tuition reimbursement. I talk to young people all the time about, hey, if your parents aren't wealthy, don't let them screw up their retirement oh, oh, yeah. going to college. I'm not doing it for my kids. Um, I don't care if I had the money. No, I'm not going to pay for you to go to school. I'm not going to pay for you to go to college. For what? If you if I pay for you to go to college, you're going to go to, you're going to, go to the, the cheapest college I can find because at the end of the day, you're probably not going to use any of those degrees anyway. And when I go to places when I'm back when I was working at, before I became an entre entrepreneur, I'm like, they never really cared. They say, do you have a degree? Check. Right. They didn't look at my you're grades. Like, you're like, wait, you just want to check. You don't, you want a description? Yeah. It was really expensive. You want to know what my grades were? You want to know what, what courses I took? Like only person, only organization that did that when I became a police officer, they needed my transcripts. And of course I was embarrassed by my transcripts because I didn't care about my grades at the time. But did it, did that prevent me from being a police officer? You just have to have a GED to be a cop, and you can work your way up and make six figures being a police officer. Tell me a little bit about your transformation to becoming a conservative. Um, and I find black conservatives uh, curious to me, uh, not because they're conservative, because they also bring along some things that are a little left of center, uh, just by virtue of sometimes experience or um, – cultural uh let's say cultural awareness of other parts of the spectrum i'm you know i don't i don't i don't know where you grew up in the dallas fort worth area right yeah, fort worth and uh what'd your parents do so my mom dropped out in the eighth grade so she worked some jobs here and there you know uh she dated guys that uh were street pharmacists so <laughs> sometimes, you know, so street mama, pharmacists. Look so at yeah, my mama worked a little bit, you know, but my dad was a firefighter. Um, he was a firefighter since he was 19. And then he, you know, as we grew up, he promoted all the way up to, he was a chief. Did you mostly stay mama. with your dad? No, we, we went back and forth. Okay. You, I think we most, I would say we mostly stayed with my mom when we were younger. And then we stayed with my dad a little more when we were older. And so we kind of went back and forth and, and they both lived at one point, they lived in the same apartment complex. So, I mean, we had equal access to, to both our parents. Okay. So we, 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 we were, we were probably 
lower middle class. I okay. think I, if if I had to just kind of pick, and then we progressed through middle class when when my dad, you know, we got older because my dad got promoted, he started mm-hmm. making a lot more money, mm-hmm. and so we 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 were up a little bit, you know, during that time. But my whole family was poor. Um, you know, on my mom's side, my dad's side was a little more you know, lower middle class, but my mom's side was everybody's poor. Mm. Uh, nobody had a degree. My grandmother couldn't read because um, she had to drop out of, of school because she had my mom when she was 12 years old. So, Jesus. So, you know, it, it was, it, so I, I grew up in a very diverse. That background. gives you different, different cultural awarenesses than I have. It just does. Um, How does it not? You know, yeah, what I mean? watching your, watching some of your family members on crack cocaine. I mean, seeing them high. Yeah. Um, and having you your know, grandmother become a grandmother at 12. Yeah, my grandmother was a grandmother at 12. So my mom and grandma is only 12 years apart. <laughs> and so it's very interesting. You know, my grandmother can't read. She couldn't read. So we go places, she can't read anything. Um, so, it, it, you know, my mom not knowing her dad. My dad not, not really having a good relationship with his dad until later in life. I mean, he had a good relationship at the beginning. His dad left, and mm-hmm. then he came back later. So just growing up with that, with dysfunction, my mom and dad were divorced, too. So yeah. they were split. And not having my mom and dad together in the same house was very different. Like growing up in that, I thought that was normal. I thought gangbang was normal. I thought that selling drugs was normal. I thought that, you know, it was risky, but it was normal. It wasn't odd to see somebody selling drugs or somebody with a gun or somebody fighting is normal. We used to have to fight our cousins and stuff to see who the baddest cousin. And so fighting and violence and stuff was not abnormal to me uh, growing up. And divorce and having children out of wedlock was not abnormal to me. Matter of fact, that was the norm. Like to see people with both their parents together was like, wow, the person got both their parents together. It's weird. So, do you obviously you're trying to do you're trying to raise your station, you're trying to raise your kids' station, and you're trying to do it differently, and your parents did it. Yeah. Right? Is that fair? A thousand percent. And, and, they, I, and they are proud of you. I mean, they'd be proud of you. That's for that what you're supposed well. to that's do. What, you're I, supposed to go a step above the way you were raised, no matter what it was. Right. Even if you were raised by a billionaire, there's always something to learn. Yeah. And you can, you know, teach that to your children to, to help them not fall in the pitfalls that you were in. I've, I, I've just had an interesting, you know, if you look at the numbers on uh, black vote in this country, and I, I hate even saying it, I don't know how to say it properly, but if you watch how African Americans voted in this country, it shifted a bunch this last yeah. election. Yeah. And it freaked out Democrats. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, and I know you know this, when you poll uh, liberals democrats your typical taken for granted uh african-american vote when you pull them away from the group and you ask them about facts in their life they pull very conservatively yeah i'll i think that it's it's like the social part is what hang up black mm-hmm. people my dad is very conservative he voted for uh slow joe biden um and and now he regret it but you know my dad is conservative generally speaking you know, he's a Christian. But they're Democrat identified. A Democrat identified because people have been brainwashed. I was brainwashed. They've been brainwashed into believing that Democrats really care about the black people and that the party switch. Does your dad watch your show? Yeah, he watched me. He come to my speeches too. My my dad does too. And it's yeah. so funny. And he always calls me up after he says, Hey, I saw that show you did uh last Wednesday. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Does he yeah. do that with you? <laughs> nah, he don't want to talk about it. You know, oh. my dad's stubborn, man. He he, you know, he don't want to be wrong. Sometimes he will give me some credit. You know, I show up on Fox and I say some things. He's like, You're right, you're right. Because he went to an event. I put on we we put on the first black young black leadership summit. At the White House, uh, President Trump, uh, 2018, me, Candace Owens, we put it together. We were, we were working with Turning Point at the time. Um, and my dad was there for the whole event. He was very proud of me. I, I ran the event. 
or whatever the case may be. And then later Al Sharpton came on television and bashed us for that event. Ooh, I bet and, that got your dad's uh, eyebrow oh, up. Oh, huh? my dad was like, what? <laughs> and then so I went on the news and I said, look, look, dad, look what this dude said. You were there. Were they passing out hats? No. Well, we, we, we puns. My dad had a really good time. We had all these great speakers. Ben Carson spoke there. You know, and so my dad had a chance to see it, but it's just that I, black people in America, um, including myself at one point, we have been brainwashed. We've been brainwashed and they have leveraged these false leaders to lead us into nowhere. Right. Al Sharpton and them, they don't represent black people. They they are the black faces that, that have been put up um, by these white liberals to control the minds of black people and it's been Boy, working if you god if you read malcolm x and you right i i you know look i i'm i'm no like a you know black history expert but i've read some malcolm x and i had to in college and then i was intrigued if you see what's going on the modern white liberal is a pretty evil cat what they're up to is actually evil as i think it has always been that way and people may not understand that the democrats the liberal and see we, we use liberal people kind of get confused we use liberal and democrat interchangeably and they're yeah, not yeah they're not and just like leftist and liberal and so, so i say the democrat and and and, and uh, malcolm x says the white liberal mm -hmm. but i think that the white liberal is now the leftist now yeah for sure and the liberal probably is more reasonable now but he was speaking to these wokey woke people that we see today who, in the 1950s you you, you you can go out right now and go to a campus and interview white liberals white leftists and you say do black people have it harder in this country and you go and interview them you go interview black people they'll tell you a whole different story it was just one a video i did yesterday it was a, a guy went out and did interviews um with white people about the n-word he, he was somewhere in california they were near a beach <laughs> perfect about the n-word and about joe rogan oh every single white person one one woman brought up george floyd what george floyd taught us you like you ignorant every black person he interviewed said i don't care they ain't got nothing to do I don't, I don't, he ain't said nothing bad to me i couldn't give a f less and then another black girl said yeah as soon as i get my show i'm gonna say n word i made it you know so all of the black people don't care but the white people are so yeah, I mean, we have to learn from our mistakes. And George Floyd taught us something very seriously. It is wrong. You know, he's really bad. Black people are, and it's like, there's a disconnect. Yeah. And I think even Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter here in Phoenix, white people, most of white people, I see them out there. I'm like, where are the black people at? It's supposed to be Black Lives Matter. Hey, listen, my, my, one of my attorneys, he told me, uh, I said, hey, am I, am I coming over? We're going to drink some whiskey tonight. I said, no, 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 no. You can't come over there. What's the matter? Oh no, you haven't been vaccinated. I I said, Are you shitting me? And his 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 wife's super lib. And I actually love his wife because she actually is a pretty good you know, she hits the wall in like two arguments, but she's got two arguments at least. <laughs> Most liberals, you start arguing, they don't have any not argument. Not. They just start quoting CNN. I'm like, yeah. that's actually not an argument. You're right. just regurgitating bullshit. Yeah. She'd actually, you know, she went to college and she actually had a little game. And I like somebody's got some game. I'm like, Oh yeah, right. let me hear, you know, move me. Change yeah. my, you know, the, the Crowder guy. Yeah, yeah. Change my mind. Go ahead. Like, I'm not stuck in the ground. Give me some facts mm -hmm. and start swaying me. If not, I'm going to sway you. Right. And I said, well, well God, you know, God damn, we're not going to drink whiskey nights. They said, no, no, no. We're going, we're going down to the BLM rally. I said, what? What? I said, what do you, what do you mean you go to the BLM? Oh, yeah, we're going down there. And then they sent me pictures of them. She's got some 
Colors of Africa hat on, doing oh the thing God. like this. And I mean, and and you know, he's Mormon. <laughs> you what? know, and I know, and she's, you know, Lily White. And I'm like, are you guys, what are you doing? And they sent me the picture, and it was all white people. And you're totally right. I mean, I, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it's the white guilt. It's like, it's like, it's, I wish that we we cross pollinated a little bit more. Like I wish white people and black people actually sit down and have a real conversation with each other. Then we would probably know the strategic plan is that people like CNN and these leaders they know you they know these groups are not going to collide. So they send seeds and messages out to each community. Each community is on a different page. Right. Black people think that white people hate them. The white people are feeling guilty, but they don't hate black because they don't go to Christmas. They don't do Christmas together. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but but back to the COVID thing. I like I'm not trying to beat on COVID, but I think that people have gone completely stupid when it comes to COVID. <laughs> you know, I have a person over here. I'm not gonna say his name because his family may figure out. They they didn't even want him to come home because he wasn't vaccinated. Now think put this put this in your mind. It doesn't matter if he has COVID or not. Is, are you vaccinated? Because if you're vaccinated, so so he wasn't, he obviously he's not vaccinated. None of my people get vaccinated. If they want to, that's on them. Right. I, I don't require them to get vaccinated. But so they say, okay, if you're not going to be vaccinated, you need to get tested for COVID-19, rapid test. Okay? Now, I'm cool with that, right? I'm cool with that if they want to make sure he don't have it. The stupid thing is, he tested negative. He didn't have it. Somebody there who's vaccinated had it and gave it to everybody. That's because Americans, most of them, don't do a science class beyond the ninth grade. They don't understand that you can have a vaccine and still be carrying a virus. Well, because uh, uh, these dummies on the television tell you, uh, I forget her name. I forget her name. I think it's, it's not Joy Reid. Joy Reid's the dumb lady, the black lady. It's another one. The, the little, she cut her hair slow, whatever she works on CNN. I forget her name. She gets on there and says, what? people need to realize is that when you have the vaccine, if you get the virus, it stops at you and you can't pass it that's to nobody not even, else. That's that not was, even close to true. But they watch that and they see her say it and they go, oh, that's true. It, it has to be true. She's saying it. She couldn't say that on television and it not be true. <laughs> she couldn't. They wouldn't write that in her script and not edit that out. If it's not. No, these people lie to you every single day. They're completely idiots. I was just at an event in California. I love the group that did this. It was actually an interesting conversation. It was conservative men versus trans men. We, they set us down at a panel. We had to. Oh, my God. Uh, it's, 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 it was out of control. I, I've never seen trans men before. And I'll tell you what, brother. You wouldn't know that they were girls. Dude Come a, on. They had a beard bigger than mine. I mean, it looked like men. I mean, the uh, two of them Ooh, looked wait like, two of them looked like girls. Oh, you mean there were girls that were turned to dudes? Yeah, girls turned into dudes. I think oh. that's called trans men. I don't know. Yeah, what, I get confused. I, they, I'm always just like, what are they now? If yeah, you tell me I what they are you. now and you say, I I I, then I know what happened. I should have gave the appropriate term. Girls <laughs> that turn into dudes, that identify as dudes. Okay. But anyway, I'm on the set and they go, you got to take a rapid test when you get here. I said, fine. That's cool with me. We take the rapid test. We do our own. Now, they don't know how deep you go in your nose or not. We just doing whatever they tell us to do. Oh, you're negative. But... Everybody takes the test and we're all negative and we all have to wear a mask. Please keep your mask on before you get on. And then when we go to talk, we take our mask off the talk. And then the girl that's not even talking with us took her mask off. But then everybody else in there has their mask on. What are we even doing right no, here? There's no sense. All it is, it, you know what it is? It's, um, you know, that uh, teacher who always told you some silly bullshit at school in the hallway. Like, oh, you, 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 you should. You, don't walk there. Don't run. Don't run there. 
don't run around the pool. Don't, it's that little, mon I call it mommyism. It's this, <laughs> it's this mom controlling little instinct a lot of people have. Um, I was on the way here. You know what I like doing? I like looking at vehicles. Oh my god! And trying to determine if they have a mask on or not. Like as I'm, because I drive a little faster than everybody else in my yeah, car, yeah. so I go hauling down the freeway. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that guy's got a mask on. And as I, as I drive by, I'm like, oh, he's got a mask. So, single dude in a Prius. What are the odds they have a mask on yeah. right now? Eighty-five percent. Oh, I thought if it was a dude's, If a dude's driving a vagina mobile yeah. and he's by himself, he yeah. will have a mask on. A hundred percent. Honda Ridge Runner, the pickup that yeah, Honda yeah, makes. Yeah, yeah. If you find a dude driving <laughs> one of those or a woman who looks like a dude, yeah. they will have a mask on 85% of the it's time. It's another car that's out there. It's a station wagon or whatever that little facade. Of, I don't know what it's called. It's, it's one of those little station wagon things that you see. I don't want to talk about people like that, but you, you know. The, All the right, types. He, he's much nicer than I am, you guys. I'm Everybody, trying to be. Yeah. I, I'm trying to be. I, I'm. I've been praying all week in my little challenge. I'm trying to be less crazy with people, but th these people are nuts. I look at. I don't have any vitriol towards them at all. Like I'm not mad about it. No. I just, to me, at this point. It does. It's not connected to reality. If no. you can determine if someone wears a mask by their voter card or their car, yeah. If I can tell you by your car if you have a mask on, it has nothing to do with science. Right. <laughs> not, not, not one bit to do with science. hundred people. Are, people are brainwashed, man. They're they're completely and they're afraid. Stupid. I mean, I you, you, at this point. You have, even if you're not intending to be this way, you are actually stupid. If you, at this point, are walking around with a mask on everywhere, and then you go to a restaurant and take your mask off. Oh. I'm, I'm on an airplane, and then, you know, they do the whole stupidity. Mm -hmm. Put your mask on, put your mask on, when you take it down to eat. And, you know, if you're in first class, I'll just be honest, they, they don't trip on you in first class. If you back in, in you know, in other parts of the plane, Coach, they, yeah. they really just yeah. rail you. They'll throw you off the plane. Yeah. So we're in there, no mask on, I'm eating, and, and nobody cares. You know, the pilots don't have masks on. A flight attendant got her mask down. And then you go to the restroom, get uh -huh. to the restroom, you uh -huh. see her. She slide it back up. It's like, what are we even doing? The Theatrics. The circulated air on a plane. You know what we're going to find out? It's wait till all of this is over. They are going to come out and say that they knew that it was not effective, but it was for theatrics. They knew that the they do they knew that the vaccine wasn't going to do what they actually claimed that it was supposed to do because it's not a vaccine; it's a therapeutic. If it's not eliminating the virus from spreading, um, so I could be wrong scientifically on that, but that's the way I see it, based on the way therapeutics work. But they're going to come out and say, "No, we were afraid." And we wasn't sure what it was going to do. So we needed mass compliance just in case. They, they're they not going to say that they proved that this would work. They're going to say they needed mass compliance because this they did the same thing with the mask when they said, don't wear a mask. Fauci came on TV and said, it's not the mask. It's not It's not that you really shouldn't have wore a mask. You should have. It's that, that we, we didn't, needed them. We didn't need, we didn't want to, the supply chain to be eliminated from first responders. And so we so lied, we lied to, you. to you. But that's cool because we needed a lot of But you. we got some lies. You know, there's some other lies coming. Um, I hope they I, I've prison. just had some of the funniest observations. Like, uh, I was just out in L.A. And I saw, we were out in town a couple of times. And I saw some big fucking tough looking motherfuckers. 
and they got their masks on. So and, and they're big black dudes. And I mean, I know and, poodles or something. No, no, it was, it was three big black guys. And I know everywhere they go, like people move out of their way. You yeah. know, big fucking dudes, and they got beards on. And they were just, and they had to be ball players or something. They were giant, and you know, in fit, they weren't just big dudes. Yeah. And then they had their masks on. And I'm thinking to myself, can you imagine like being a big, scary son of a bitch? Yeah. And then you just fucking wear a mask like a sheep. I, yeah. I was just thinking it was so funny to me. And then here comes the middle-aged fat white guy. And I'm like, what are you guys wearing a mask for? You yeah. fucking pussy. You know, yeah. I'm such an asshole. <laughs> no, but it's true, man. It's the brainwashing that is going on. Yes. I mean, if you're older, and like when I see older people wearing masks, mm -hmm. I'm not shocked. I'm no. like, yeah, you're a little afraid and you could be, it could get you. And, and the numbers. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're above 70, maybe maybe wear a mask if you got something going or, on. Or you Absolutely. should stay at home or something. Like, yeah. I get it. And even, even when I'm around people, I try to avoid them because I, you know. But like, a young, athletic, fit person, do the numbers. Okay, hey, listen, I'll tell you what, so here's funny. This would be a great meme. 79-year-old old lady shopping in a grocery store with no mask on and a big, young, tough guy with a mask on. Say, which one's the badass? Right, right, right. Because I've seen, you know, like my mom. My mom's, you know, in her 70s down. And she's like, I'm not wearing a goddamn mask. I'll die when I'm going to die, but I'm going to be free. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, that's where I got it from, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's awesome, man, because, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, man. My my stepmama and them bought into it. I don't think my dad bought into it as much, but my stepmama's bought into it, man. She came to our house the other day. Uh, she had two masks on, and she had gloves. And I'm like, oh. if you that, you just stay at home. Right. We, we can Zoom. Right. If, you, if, you, if you think you're going to get sick over here, just Zoom. And even with the with – the, Or we with, could freeze you. Yeah. We could put you in <laughs> – we could freeze you in a block of ice over there with Walt Disney. Right. We'll wake you up when COVID's when gone. <laughs> people, people have just, it just, it has gone crazy. I mean, yeah. nobody's ever said anything to me, which it surprises me. And then it doesn't surprise me, but it's kind of weird because people tell these horror stories about, oh, when I walk around with that, like I was in LA, LAX, I didn't have no mask. And I took my mask off when I walked to the airport. I put it on to go on a plane because I don't want them to kick me off the thing. I got to get home. Yep. But um, I wear it. I wear it as I step on the airplane and everywhere else. Yep. And a lot of times, like, oh, angry. I do through I do through the TSA, um, you know, the pre-check stuff. I don't dare either. Yeah, they may not even make you, man. I saw somebody go through there because they ask you, and I go, "Don't you want to see my face?" And they're like, "Yes, sir." And and then they're like, oh, "Jesus!" And then I just walk through, and that's that. Yeah, I'm like, and let me not get caught up in in here. Let me put the thing on, and then when I get out of here, I'm gonna take it off and just breathe. And and if I have to, you know, people get weird. I just get something to drink, and I just sip, and be like. Okay, I'm sipping something. I guess I can't get COVID while I'm sipping this. It's super annoying, and I think it's over really fast. I think everyone's had enough, and they can't keep this. They can't keep the BS. Well, look at the football games. I haven't watched football in years. What's going on? No mask. Stadiums of, and I'm mostly speaking of college football games. Uh -huh. Stadiums, a hundred thousand people. <laughs> you know, Ohio State Stadium fit a hundred plus thousand. Mm -hmm. Michigan, hundred thousand something. I, I haven't seen a person with a, a single person with a mask on at any college football game anywhere. And you look at the NFL, not one, nobody has a mask on in the NFL games. You're talking about 60 something thousand people concentrated in one area, and that's not a hazard. They act like it. California, they're lifting their restrictions. California, they got a Super Bowl in California. The Super Bowl don't only attract people that are actually physically at the game, people come to the city. Right. And they go to bars and right. they watch it. Right. They are, they are, COVID is so bad, they're willing to have an influx of probably a couple hundred thousand people into their city. Totally fine. They're not worried about the spread of COVID or nothing. It's about money. Mm -hmm. they, 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 these people 
should all go to jail over this. Yeah. That's what I think. It accountability. Never, it won't, it won't it's happen. Accountability. It won't happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's accountability. I want to talk to you about a couple other things. before. So are, if uh, if Trump comes around and announces you're going to vote for him, even though you guys got a little crosshairs about the vaccine statements, but... Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, okay. I, I hate what he said about the vaccine statements that I, I want to, you know, slap him over. But uh, he's, he got my vote 100%. All right, good. All right, good. We could still be friends. Uh, <laughs> the January six people—they're all still in jail. Yeah. Uh, got. Give me, give me your quick, uh, give me your quick take on that. I think, I think that is bullcrap the way they're treating them. They, mm -hmm. They're treating them as insurrectionists and all this. It's the stupidest thing in the world. It wasn't an insurrection, but I do think you got to hold people accountable for yeah. storming the Capitol. You just do. It's, a, it's a. And risk. so here we are as conservatives yeah. saying, yeah. yeah, you got to. We, yeah, well, we can't do that. If the, if, just say if Trump was in office and these uh -huh. leftists was like, he's not my president, and they try to storm the Capitol building, like we can't, you can't do that. And I um, and I wouldn't say lock them up forever without no. Due you process. don't. You don't do that. You treat you treat them at, for the crimes that they actually committed. So if if a person was responsible for assaulting a police officer to get into the Capitol, mm -hmm. then you can you can you can hold them accountable for that. If a person is just in there, they're trespassing essentially. It, it, it's not that's an a insurrection. Fine. That's a fine. A, let, yeah. Slap them on the wrist and let oh, them go about their business. I think this is uh, the uh, national equivalent of we caught the kids smoking in pot in the living right, room right. while we were on vacation. Right. That That's what it seems like to exactly. me. Um, talk to me about uh, Afghanistan. Uh, well. Uh, and you were not in the military, right? No, I wasn't. Okay. Military. So you were doing football while some of us were in the military. Yeah, yeah. Then you went into law enforcement. So uh, Afghanistan from, oh, from <laughs> no. 2000 or the dummy what uh, happened in, in what office. Ha what happened this past year? Give me a quick take on it. Yeah, I think it was it was absolutely ridiculous. Joe Biden's administration, he should be, he, he shouldn't be the president because of the way he handled it. I think it. he should have been impeached for that. How in the world do you neglect to get our American citizens out? How do you give up a, how do you give up an airport, a base? How, how do you leave hundreds of millions billion, of dollars, oh, probably billions of dollars. Billions of military the, hardware. And they flying our plane. Just on, <laughs> just on the observation of another country flying and using our military equipment, you should never be a leader. Ever. I got an idea. Put it all in a pile and bomb it. Yeah. Like or, or, if you if it's or, too expensive to bring home, yeah. put it put it in a pile and blow it up. Or once they get them, just bomb it after that. They, <laughs> yeah. You ain't gonna do a parade with our stuff. We you know so. Um, uh, talk to me about the border here in Arizona. Uh, I think it's ridiculous to what. But it's always Democrats doing this. They want an influx of voters. That's what they want. They don't care nothing about them getting raped on the way over here. They care nothing about, you know, us pretty much allowing, you know, an influx of, of, of profitability from the cartel from, from Mexico. We should close our borders 100%. We do not need people coming over here illegally. Come through the port of entry, make an asylum claim, and go through the process like everybody else. What's interesting about it is if you look at uh, Mexicans, South Americans, uh, as soon as they're here and they are established, they're starting to vote conservative. I hope to God they do. No, they are. I mean, yeah, more I, I more Hispanics voted for Trump than anybody in history. It's crazy. Right, right. I have to, yeah, I think the Hispanics are less brainwashed than the. Uh, I wouldn't say they're brainwashed. I never grew up in a Hispanic household. I grew up around black people. Yeah, and, and I know that black people brainwashed. So, but I think that Hispanics may be a little more balanced. They. they you know, Biden said it, and they wanted to say he was a racist. He said that Hispanics uh, a little more diverse in, in voting, more diverse than, community, diverse community in voting. Well, you know, it's funny. He was right about that. He got lambasted for 100 it. One hundred percent right. I mean, black people <laughs> voting. I mean, I, and I say black people, the black voters. I don't know about the, how everybody else who don't vote vote. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't yeah. vote. 
But, um, you know, they're voting like 96% Democrat. It was a little less in Trump's second, you know, uh, run, but it's still outrageously high yeah. for one group of people. Yeah, it's curious. You know, that I think as as more of the black community enters into the middle class and upper class, I think that changes over time. But I still think it's a big legacy left that's hard to get rid of. It's, 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 it's hard, man. I mean, people can look at you in the eye and you can give them facts and they're like, no, I'm a Democrat. I know. I've the party got, switched. I've got a couple of friends of mine uh, who are, you know, they're black guys that were in the military. And they're not, I was in the military with them. But we're we're really good friends. There's only like five black guys in the knife collecting community. It yeah, is a yeah. bunch of bubbas. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm friends with like three of them. And I'm like, <laughs> according to the internet, I'm the biggest racist in the knife business, That's apparently. crazy. Anyway, these guys come out, they stay at my house, we have dinner together, and we always talk politics and race and everything. And um, one, my friend Kevin, he said, he said, Greg, you're not really, he goes, I don't think you're racist, I think you're a classist. You like people who kind of come from your yeah, background yeah. And, and roll in your background. You're, he, he said, I, I think you're not comfortable with everybody outside that. And he yeah. goes, me too. Yeah. You know, and I was kind of, he yeah. goes, yeah, he goes, I went to Black Bike Week one time. He goes, yeah, I didn't think I was going to go back. I might not be safe to go back again. <laughs> and so what's funny is both the guys are rocket scientists. Yeah. You were with Turning Point and you got to meet Charlie a bunch of times or be around yeah. him a bunch, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about him. Give me some, whatever I, behind the curtain. He seems like he's pretty out front, even with that crazy hair of his. Um, yeah, he's, he's very, uh, you know, to a certain degree, I think he's on the spectrum, you know because he's so hyper intelligent. You know, some people that they claim on the spectrum because I think his social skills aren't as good as his intelligence is. Mm -hmm. He's the smartest person that I've ever been around. Yeah. And he's one of the best public speakers that I've ever been around. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he has no future in politics. He could be the president. I think he would be the president one day. It wouldn't surprise. I think he could pull off everything that's required. He just doesn't seem like he's a human being. Yeah, that's that's the thing about kind Charlie. Of an alien. That's the thing about Charlie. Like, I mean, I, maybe he got people who are close for friends with him, and they go out and hang out. But I'd never see Charlie like kicking it with people and like having a good time. He's just mostly grinding, working hard, and he's just hyper focused on what he's doing. And and there's room for people like that. You know, some people yeah. are, and he's a leader. He he's a leader. He influenced lots of people, so he's a leader. He's just not very. He's not the charismatic type, you know, where you he would be friendly with everybody hanging out and going to dinner and doing drinks and stuff. He's kind of isolated from my exposure to him. He may got dudes that he hang out with, he just didn't want to hang out with me. But uh, that's kind of how he is, man. He's very smart. He's very dedicated. He's the hardest working person in his whole organization, I would argue. Like, he, he never stops. Even though he's at the top, even though those young kids are working their butts off, I don't think anybody outworks Charlie Kirk. He's, um, he's got a, you know, I, I'm a... I'm a reasonably well-read guy. He's got a broadness to his reading and a recall that's pretty surprising. And I've only run into a couple of folks. Uh, Thomas Sowell is one of those guys that when I hear him talk, I can hear the depth of his reading. Yeah. I, mean, I go, man, this guy's read more than me, man. He's yeah. awesome. Uh, Jordan Peterson, same thing. When I listen to Jordan Peterson talk, I'm like, fuck, this dude's swimming in his own depth. And Charlie is also, and that's very hard for a guy – you know, like I'm 52. He can't be 30. How old is he? Yeah, he he's not 30 yet. He must be like 28, 29. A maybe. guy in his late 20s to be that well read and that articulate. Uh, it's pretty. He's a pretty impressive person to hear talk and watch work. He is impressive. I've been on stage with him, and somebody asked him. They can ask him a question about anything, mm -hmm. and he has an actual response. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, and, and he'll have some statistics and yeah. some data and you're like, oh he's not just fitting that into his worldview he right. he read about that recently yeah and, and i have to be honest man like i was watching an interview today that he did at, at our church like uh the church that we go to he does this thing there i think once a month where do you go um I, it's skipping me now um dream city church okay dream city church we go there um is it that is that over on is that on uh shea boulevard uh where's that no, I mean, you, you, they is, got that, a, is that a bunch of them? They, yeah, it's a few campuses. Okay. I mean, the one in Glendale, the one in, the one in they call it Phoenix. It's like Scottsdale area. Okay. It's north of Sweetwater or something like that. North of Cactus. I've seen this. I've seen their, it's, you know, the marquee flying around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, that, that one is the one we go to. So, and Charlie does an event there, I think, once a month where he is kind of like town hall or something like that. Is that he, the one? Where, now, it was one of those churches where Trump came? Yeah, that was the church. Oh, that's the, church the main that one. Okay, that the, was okay. the main, the main one. They got one in scottsdale north scottsdale too i like that church i spoke at both of those churches but um uh charlie was i was watching just before i got here charlie was doing a, somebody asked him a question and they said some words that i have no idea what they mean and and if i was on stage i, I would humbly say i'll do respect can you define those two words so i can give you an honest answer mm -hmm. charlie just came off the head and just did it all and i'm like and i was on stage with him on another event in georgia and like people were asking these crazy questions and I'm looking at him like, let him answer because I have no idea what y'all talking about. So, I've never heard of that before. You know, it's funny. He answers questions uh, like Ben Shapiro does, and Ben does it in a little kind of snarky yeah, little guy yeah. way. And and Charlie's, he's uh, Ch Charlie's not snarky. He's slightly condescending. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. those two have a quality about them that is spectacular to watch. It's great for debate, argument, putting together ideas. And I'm starting to hear other politicians almost quote parts of what they say, but they're just not personable. Either one of those guys. Yeah, they're just they're just not as outgoing. They probably cool with like a inner circle, and they probably have a wonderful time. They're just not the you know they wouldn't come somewhere and be the life of the party. Um, and I bet Elon Musk wouldn't either, and some of these other people wouldn't. I mean, it's just certain things. Like, I think Charlie has a level of influence. I have a level of influence in my own right, and we have different things. Like, he's way more intelligent than I am, but I'm way more charismatic, I think. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm way more relatable to a lot more sure, people. Sure, absolutely. And are. that's my strength. And, and, of course, you know, I'm starting with, with my little challenge that I got our team doing. I'm starting to read a lot more. And, and I'm like, you know, this is good. Maybe I should read more and have more knowledge because I'm more of a visual person. So I'll watch Thomas Sowell explain his ideas. Um, I have a couple of his books, but like sitting down trying to read that books, I'm, I, I think I got a little bit of ADHD. Like sitting down reading a book is just so difficult for me. I need to be moving. I need stuff. To, I need action. I need pictures. You know what I'm saying? But I'm starting to get better at just sitting down and reading. I'm reading a book right now um on leadership from john maxwell it's called the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership i think that's the title of it and i can't put that book down it's a part of our challenge we got to read 10, oh, 10 pages a book a yep. day from from a number uh from a non-fiction book per day well if you're going to read something of thomas Sowell's, do you have his black book on uh, modern intellectualism no it's like a tome it's you know it's 1500 oh, no. pages it's a big intellectual dive, and I'll, I mean, look, I read a, I read a book a couple of years ago, it was 3,000 pages on the R2800 radial engine development of oh, 1937. No. I feel like I can never get those, those minutes back of my life. There's stuff there, though, that right. gives you juice when you're chatting with people, right. and you know, right. you being on a podcast, you know, there's only so many words we can say. 
Yeah. Um, and every time we read one of these books, you know, Thomas Sowell kind of nudged my soul. Yeah. And, it, and he, the first chapter of that book, if you bought the book and read the first chapter, throw the book away. Yeah. Because <laughs> the first chapter is enough. Yeah. Like it'll nudge you. You don't need to dive into all of his data. The first chapter will like crack your egg. You know, when I talk about cracking your egg, it's like my little body of knowledge. He cracks it and makes it grow. Yeah. Reading is very important. I, I'm 34 years old. I never was a strong reader um, growing up. So that's probably why I just hated reading. Even now, like, you know, I'm not the strongest reader, but reading is very, very important. And it's weird that I'm 34 years old. And I'm starting to really realize that I, listening is not enough. No, you, reading is is equally as valuable because, like, even now, like when I um I can rehearse certain things that I've just learned from that leadership book, and I'm like, oh man, I'm recalling a lot of stuff. So imagine if I had downloaded all this stuff in my mind, I'll be recalling things so, sort of like uh you know somebody like Charlie Kirk. You know, you have almost like perfect memory if it relates to you and you 100%. relate to it while you're, you know, if I, if I had to read about like knitting or some bullshit that didn't interest and like if I read about something that doesn't interest me, I'm like, yeah. but you know, I start reading about history of America. There's almost no part of that I can't get into and enjoy the hell out of. And I don't care if it's um, even revisionist history that's wrong. It's fascinating to read how yeah. some modern people have twisted shit around. Yeah. Like, I'll read that and go, that's that's actually not what happened. I know what happened. Right, right. Like, that's not what happened, but look what they've done with that. It's crazy. Yeah, even Robert E. Lee, I was just reading about him, and I was just very shocked at the way people have treated the legacy of Robert E. Lee. Yes. I can see how people had some problems with things he did, but uh, people have no idea that Robert E. Lee, and this is this is on a record, this is official record of what Robert E. Lee did, um, that he helped free slaves in Libya and he helped black Africans here get to Libya to their freedom. He made mention officially that slavery was an evil and that it wasn't right. And, and you know, and he, in his will, he, um, or at least in his will, I think he did it probably before he died, but in his will, he emancipated slaves. His father emancipated his slaves and he didn't start with slaves. He, he took over his father's plantation when mm -hmm. he got sick. So, it was like Robert E. Lee is a very diverse character. And, and if we go back in time when at the time in which he lived, I don't think people would be that upset with him. He was probably more of, of a person that said, I see that this is wrong and I want it to change. And I'm going to try to do what I can while I'm alive to get to a point where this is not pervasive. I think he wouldn't have worn masks and Grant would have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, I struggle with all that too because if you read about history, you know they make they've made Thomas Jefferson and George Washington out to be just awful people. Yeah, and they weren't. No, different times. It, man, it, I say that all the time, and you know, people because I'm black, you know, the black people think I'm gonna sell out Uncle Tom. It's like, think about this for a minute. Like slavery, now we look back and say this is a barbaric. Right. I mean, the firing squad is barbaric, right? And we we some that's still on the books in some parts of our country. And, um, but you look back in slavery, you say, if you were a little kid and you are born and your parents are slave owners, just say that they're evil slave owners. What are you to do? You are essentially brainwashing and believing that this makes sense. Right. Are you supposed to light, light everything on fire? Yeah. What are you supposed to do? And then even, even in, in, uh, Robert E. Lee's situation where his dad was, was, was getting real ill and potentially going to die, his slaves would be emancipated if he died. It was in his will. But he had to take over the plantation because it yields a lifestyle. You can't just free all the slaves. 
how are you going to work the field? How are you going to make any money? You're going to starve to death. So it was a, it was a, a evil that some people probably felt was necessary evil that they wanted to see go away. Well, you know, it's, it's, it is kind of one of those things that once it's going, there's an inertia there that you right. can't just stop and you got to figure out how to do it. And you know what we did? We're the only people in human history that have killed a quarter million of each other, eradicating something we all knew to be wrong. Right. I mean, we, it wasn't a nice king who told us the old, you know, people don't realize it was not very long ago where everyone was enslaved. Right. I agree. Okay. Like in England, you know, you might not be able to leave the property you were born on. That was what you were going to do right. because your family owed a debt to the Lord and you had to pay the debt. Right. And the debt never went away. Slavery is still going on today in Northern Africa. I mean, these Muslim countries and some of these uh, Muslim You can go religions. buy a person today. Yeah. You can get on an airplane. You can go buy a person today. And they're selling Africans. Mm -hmm. and, and here's the, here's another thing. Yeah, like it was a, it was a, uh, a uh, documentary, docu-series that's coming out on one of these stupid channels. I did a video about it. Um, and they're just railing white people. It's like a racist, the most racist trailer I've ever seen. Uh, one of the things in the trailer was, should white people, um, I guess, be held accountable for slavery or whatever the case may be? And the guy on there go, yes, they should. And in my mind, I'm like, well, wait a minute, let's go back. Who started this whole thing? Black Africans. Oh, I know. It who, who Black Africans supplied the demand. They enslaved their own people and sent them all over the world. America only got about 6% of the slaves from the slave trade. South America got 60 to 70% of all the slaves. Who's doing that exact thing, same thing today? The exact same thing, 100%. Being sent, not of their will, not being compensated. Who is doing the same thing? Illegal immigrants? I don't know. China. China. China, it was buying up countries around the world. Uh, companies around the world they fire the employees they send over chinese employees the chinese employee lives there on the company dime oh and, i didn't know they did stuff like that. oh and in get, america yeah it's going on here it's happening in florida it's happening in california everywhere where chinese companies buy the company here it happened to some companies that i do business with they they fire off all the american employees they send over chinese employees from china and they don't pay them here or obey labor laws here that's crazy it's un it's unbelievable well, the sweatshops that we hear about that Nike uses and some of these companies use, I mean, that's kind of like slavery too. You're working to the bone and they give you just enough to live. I yeah. mean, just a, I mean, because you got to think, think about this for a minute. You know, not every slave, okay? Some slaves, I would say, there was probably a good number of slaves that got beat and stuff like that. Um, but they had to feed them. They had to make sure they survived and they lived so they can keep working. And that's, that's the situation that I see in some of these sweatshops is that they work them and they give them just enough money to eat and to work. That's all they have to do for the rest of their lives. They can't survive. Which is a whole lot like slavery. It's a whole lot like slavery. Yeah, and who knows if they beat them? I mean, they, they die in the, the sweatshop. They're just letting them pick their own food. Right. Yeah. So so have you ever been to Mount Vernon? Oh, no. What time do we have? How are we doing on time? Oh, I'm free. This is all I got today. What do you got? What time is it right now? 1230. Oh, no. I, I, I think about uh, it, it's bad for us to judge people out of our time. Uh, I, I, I agree. And uh, if I was asking if you'd ever been to Mount Vernon, Washington, oh, yeah, no, Washington's no. home. No. If, if you ever get a chance, you should go. It has turned into the Museum of Slavery of George Washington. Yeah. But if you see what was going on there, you see a guy who was, uh, he built a whole town around everybody collectively working. Um, there was 
it was expensive to have slaves as it yes. turned out in the long run. Now, I'm not making excuses for it. I'm just making an economic yeah, it's, it's, observation, it's, okay? Yeah. And uh, there was some weird quirkiness. Everyone talks about how many slaves he had, but he had a similar situation happen to Robert E. Lee where uh, he, he married a woman who had what were called dowager slaves. And so they he couldn't sell, he couldn't get rid of, uh, and and they wouldn't leave when he freed them. And there was a weird legal status that everybody's in the middle of, and he kept them all on and, and then gave them all emancipation upon his death. Because he's like, I don't even know what to do because what's going to happen to everybody? The whole thing's going to fail. They're, yeah. Half of them don't have anything else to do. He's like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, It's a conundrum. It is because Robert E. Lee had, had a similar conundrum to this as well. One of the things that he said was that it's better that the black African be here than in Africa. He felt like that they would be treated better. They, you know, the quality of life is better here. And people just think that every slave was just beat to death every day. It's like some slave owners had to protect their slaves to a certain degree because you pay for them and you need them to work efficiently. God damn, it's a surly conversation, isn't it? <laughs> it it's, it's weird because like I studied Africana studies in, in college and there were different types of slaves. Like, yeah. Everybody thinks that like Harriet's like uh, Harriet Tubman. I learned this more recently. I didn't even learn this in college. Maybe because I didn't read all the books like I was supposed to. Harriet Tubman, people have this big misconception about what Harriet Tubman, what she was actually doing before she started the Underground Railroad. People don't know. I would argue that 90% of people don't know that she was married and that her husband was a free black man and that she lived with her husband at the time that uh, she escaped and started the Underground Railroad and that she was in slavery, but she had a job where she worked and she provided for herself and she got to keep her money. And of course she had probably had to give some to the slave owner, but she was married. Her husband was a free black man that told her, encouraged her not to do or start the underground railroad. Mm. Now she did get injured in during slavery and she was a slave. But at the time that she did this, she wasn't sitting in the field getting whipped over the back right, right. and escaped in the in dark of night. She took, she up, took a up a cause that she didn't have to do yeah. because her family, I think had been already freed, like mm. her mom and them had already been freed by her slave owners. She was probably on the path to freedom. Her husband was already free and, and they lived together. And so once she escaped and did what she did, she did something very noble, not out of pure, pure desperation, but somewhat of a desperation and necessity. But most people don't know that story about yeah. her. And so it, it, ma it makes you, and there was black people that owned slaves too, and, they, and people don't talk about that. Anthony Johnson was the first legal slave owner in America, legal. And he's a black man, Anthony Johnson, Portuguese. He, he owned, he was a very wealthy man. He, he was a property owner. And one thing people don't understand about history is that at first, when it comes to voting, it has something to do with property ownership. So there were black people who owned property that could vote before they eliminated black people from voting and then gave it back to black people. I think it was the 14th Amendment, 15th Amendment, one of those. It's, uh, you know, it is a long and it's a long and uh, it's a gritty story. It's not as black and white yeah. <laughs> as people make it out to be. It's not. And uh, I think one of the most important, you know, it's funny, my daughter's doing this international baccalaureate history and stuff in high school. And we sit and talk about this. And she talks about, we were just talking about Japanese internment camps that were set up here in the United States during mm -hmm. World War II. And she was writing this paper about how awful it was and how horrible it was. And she was describing it to me. I go, just so you know what you're describing, and I'm not making excuses for it, but it's just modern sentiments. I said, what you just described is better than every boy who is 
pressed into service with the draft up until 1970. Wow. Like everybody, their son who was taken to go in the military, their life was way worse than what you're describing as an atrocity. Wow. Just so you know, like just some perspective. Yeah. And she kind of looked at me and going, just so you know, your grandpa who grew up in Iowa with 10 brothers and sisters in a two room house, put carpets down over the floorboards because the cold air would blow up from between boards. Mm. Like everyone was not living like we live up in North Scottsdale. Oh yeah. Cause oh, she, yeah. she hears, yeah. she hears, you know, she was, the, one of the big things was that uh, they put peaches on rice and it was a uh, cultural appropriation against the Japanese <laughs> and everything. And I was like, I said, okay, listen, just so you know, that's not really, that doesn't qualify as oppression. But, yeah. you know, that's kind of what we're up against. So my daughter is very conservative, but uh, I just am engaged constantly yeah. with my son and my which daughter is, about perspective. Which is good because they're, they're brainwashing kids now to believe all this crazy Unbelievable. stuff. Unbelievable. If, if, if a school is teaching that white privilege is a real thing, um, unless they're teaching alongside that black privilege and gay privilege and straight privilege and all kinds of liberal privilege, liberal privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's privileges of everything. If, yeah. you, if you're handsome, if you're, if you've got a, a body, you know what I'm saying? You physically fit, you, you, you are, you have a privilege. People yeah. think about it. if you're tall, you have a privilege. So if they're not teaching all of those in conjunction, then they're lying to people. Yeah. They're white privilege. My wife, look at me and my wife, she had to pay her way through school. I got a free education. Like what, what privilege did she have? You know, her mom and dad were probably equal to what my mom and dad made a year, you know, with, 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 um, you know, so our economic situation was probably very similar. Mm. I grew up in a world more dangerous situation than she did. Yeah. I probably saw a little more violence than she did, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, I feel like growing up, I had more privilege than she did. Yeah. And now I do. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm popular. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like, it's, it's weird to me, you know, that this country is supposed to be so racist. And I go places and white people come up to me and they're like, I love you, man. It's so great. And it's like, yeah, because this is not a racist country. Yeah, I don't think it is either. It's not, man. I, I, don't, think I don't experience racism. I think there's people confuse bias and racism and bigotry. They confuse those three yeah. things. I think there's bias everywhere. You know what you don't want to be? You don't want to be a 72-year-old fat person. Right. Fucking, you're invisible. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, I think there's all kinds of things. And... Uh, um, yeah, I don't like to, I don't like to go into dangerous areas and some of those danger areas are primarily minorities. So uh, does that make me racist. Like, right. and if a white person felt the same way, that person is a racist, but I'm cool with saying that. Right. I don't like being around ghetto people. I, I don't like being around dudes. I was in the mall the other day, me and my wife, we were in a, she was looking at some shoes. I'm sitting down. Some black dudes come in, sagging pants, cussing, thugs come in a thing. The white lady who's who's uh the she was um she just worked there she's like a salesperson, salesperson. Clark, whatever yeah she looked at me look at them you know what I'm saying? so see, i could tell what she was thinking oh there's math she, 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 she looked at me and was like yeah you, they they, they kind of they ain't like you you know <laughs> i can see her saying it in her mind and and and, and of course i looked at them in disgust not because just because they black or whatever it's because you grown men behaving like that right you look super stupid with your pants hanging down halfway down your legs yeah. and you're in here cussing and being loud any race of people doing that is right. absolutely stupid right 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 if i say that it's cool if the white lady would have said that because she looked at me and she saw what huh. i saw no bueno if she would have said they'd have fired her yeah because she's racist no there's a lot of double standard going around and i hope uh i hope over time you know the only thing we could do is kind of keep speaking our truth out right. loud and poking right. everybody um you gotta have, 
you got to have folks that are willing to say the truth. I've had my teeth kicked in numerous times mm-hmm. over just kind of saying what I think is to be my observable reality in this country. Right. And then you got to have people like you doing it also. Um, you get to say it in a way, um, you know, you get some shade because you're you're a little protected in some ways. 100%. And in other, in other ways you're not, but in, in some ways you are. And you and I are protected in different ways probably. Yeah. We yeah. experience different privileges, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I could say whatever I want to say. I was on the police department. I just say whatever I want to say. They were never going to fire me because I'm black. <laughs> if I was white, I'd different be fired. Story. The stuff I say online right now, if I was white, and I said those things online, all of a sudden the words I say become hateful and evil and racist. Yeah. And and it's just crazy to double standard, man. Yeah. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. You know, I have a mixed family. My wife is white. Um, you know, my, my oldest son, 11-year-old son, my fiance at the time, she was white. I have a blended family. You know, like my in-laws are white. I, I love them. I hang out with them. My parents, like I don't, I don't live in a world where I'm isolated in one group where I'm just only around black people, which I grew up like that. And I realized when I got out of that scenario that there's more to life than this. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you The racial stereotype forever has been, if you have an interracial child, they are they don't fit in either world. That's stupid. And the truth is they actually fit in both worlds. And it's right. probably a bigger perspective that's probably more whole right then then one or the other because you can't pigeonhole you right. can't pigeonhole a kid that's biracial yeah you can't say you should get reparations well well wait a minute which Who, half of who's me? gonna pay it <laughs> is my mama gonna pay my daddy reparations which oh. at this point i would like for my sons my oldest son's mom to pay me reparations you know <laughs> that's but, pretty funny but you know so but is that gonna occur is that the way you, no it's, it's it, you know i tell my children that well my, my baby he don't i talk to him but he don't he too young to know what i'm mm-hmm. saying He's only 11 months, but my oldest son, he's 11. And I tell him that you ain't black. I want you to know that you're not black. You're biracial. You are the best of both worlds. Your mom is white. I'm black. And we both love you. And your white family love you just much. as Your black family love you. Your, your, your lineage and your history goes all the way up the chain on that side. And on this side, your grandfather served in the military on his mom's side. He served in the military. My father is a successful man. He was a, fire chief and retired 35 years of honorable service. You have a family that extends on both sides. Don't ever let a person pigeonhole you because at school, the kids want to call him black. Right. And they want to say he's oppressed. And And more importantly, he is who he is. Right. A hundred percent. I, you know, I talked with my, I was telling my son that this morning, you know, he was, as he was getting out of the car, I said, you just be you. Don't yeah. you worry about what anybody else says because yep. he's dealing with all the same pressures everybody is. Just be you. Don't worry about it. Every, yeah. You're going to find enough people in life who like you for being you right. who would suck to not like yourself because you're trying to be somebody else for all these other people. Yeah. Said, Screw them. Just be yourself. Don't Just worry about it. Just be yourself, it. man. You know, I, it's funny I say this and some people get on me for saying it. And I say when I look in the mirror, sometimes I forget I'm black. <laughs> Cause I don't, I don't care what color I am. Right. You know, I never even think about. I it. think I'm black all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got, I rub some little black off on you now. <laughs> but like, I never think about my race. I never think about it. To be honest, I'm just looking through my eyes. I'm not really paying no, attention. I know what you mean. And I'm talking to people and dealing with people. And I'm in. You're certain, not going like this. Yeah. When I'm in certain rooms, like I'm just, just like anybody else. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the homeboy, just like anybody else. You know, I, I, I hang out with all my friends, and I never think about color, not one time. And I, and I, and it's funny because it sunk into me one day. I went home and I washed my hands and I was like, 
I'm, you know, I'm black. I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't even pay attention to this stuff. This is what my skin look like. It doesn't matter because when I'm around people, I'm just me. Mm -hmm. And they make these things up about white and black. Like, even me and my wife, like I don't think of us as an interracial couple. You're just a couple. It's my wife, right? And it's she who she is. Yeah. That's it. I don't care nothing about the color of her skin, but. You well, know. listen, uh, it's been a hoot having you in here. I hope we get you over again since you're not far away. And uh, right. if there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. Um, yeah. It's a pleasure uh, having you here, and I'm, I'm glad you came in. Yeah, my pleasure, and thanks for having me, and I, I'd love to come back, man. I, I got a couple uh, – I got some merch that I want to – to pass out if if you cool with that some of oh, the guys, yeah some of the people here you know they really love what I do some oh it's a bunch of fans Amy my wife yeah. everybody in the building was like oh he's gonna be here today I'm like yeah I'll be here yeah, yeah. And everyone was real nice when you came around they were all coming over saying hi to you right they were so kind and so nice I mean what you got going here is just beautiful man everybody in there looks like they in there working hard yep good clean environment you know it's really great and yeah. the young lady that I met at the front yep um. She was awesome, you know, giving the tour and stuff. So, you know, it, it's it's pretty impressive. And in the in the freaking knives that I saw <laughs> were freaking. Well, I, we we I, got we got a knife for you. Please, thank you. I need. I, I want one. We we uh we have a. They don't come in. They're not coming out probably until March. But we have knives for everybody who's been on the podcast. Oh yeah, they told me. So listen, uh, just great having you here, and I really appreciate your voice out there. And I didn't know it, but I run across you on Instagram all the time. Oh yeah, awesome. Uh, before uh, I kind of dialed back my Instagram, but I love seeing you out there, and I hope you keep your great American voice and don't let anybody shut you down and I'll, keep fighting the fight. I will. We have to, as citizens with a voice, keep saying stuff. We have to keep speaking our truth because nobody else speaks truth to power. They're lying. Right, right. We have to do it. 100%. So just an honor to have you here. Pleasure, yeah. pleasure. And I hope you come back. And yeah. if there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. The pleasure's all mine. I'll come back after my 40-day uh, challenge. So. After your 40-day challenge? Yeah. All right, cool. I'd like to see how that so went. I want, I want some of that right there. Okay, we'll have some of that. Maybe I'll bring... Um, do, do you do a podcast or you just do rant? Do you just rant on your own? or? No, I go live. I call it my podcast. My podcast is my daily videos. Yeah. Um, but eventually, we just uh, acquired a warehouse on Bell and Scottsdale, somewhere around that area. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna set me a studio up in there. I got a studio at my house that's like this, but I, I want one that's like I'm sitting down podcast. I can invite people. Even you can come to podcast. We can chop it up. Have me over. I'm gonna bring some good whiskey. Oh man, and I love whiskey. All right, man. good. It's my favorite. All right. So. Well, awesome having here. Thank you so right. much. My pleasure. Yeah. Hey, you guys. Uh, that's how it is. Sometimes it's fun when you run into local guys who are kind of out there with a bigger voice to get them in and just come in and have a deep conversation like regular folks. I love. Uh, you know, we got to the end. We talk about, we talk about race. We talk about politics and all those things. And I love hearing that perspective right from people's mouths. Um, I have these conversations all the time. I grab people all the time and have conversations with them. And um, I would encourage everybody out there, like we were talking about today, to get out of your bubble and uh, get across the color aisle and get across a political aisle and mix it up with people. You find way more similarities than you find differences. And if we do that, we start thinking about each other more as human beings instead of as the en enemy or the other camp. And then there's a chance for something to actually happen, which is kind of nice. So it's a pleasure to have you all with us. Craig Medford from the Greg Medford Show in Phoenix. I'm out.